to None of My Friends Like Comics. This is a podcast where a comic book enthusiast talks to a friend about a piece of work in the medium, and we break it down to see if that friend who's a first-time reader will pull it or drop it. I'm your host, Nick Poffenbarger, and my co-host today is the returning David Nieves. I am back yeah. to literally no one's demand. I am back. <laughs> and I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. We were supposed to do this like hours ago, and like I've been running late. You know, I, earlier today, I had to do one of my friends likes comics. I had to do uh, I'm, two of my friends. Two of my friends like likes comics. comics. Um, none of my friends want to buy comics. You know, there's so many podcasts out there to do. There's a lot. Yeah. You got to get through the whole line of us. Yeah. So that's true. But um, yeah, man. Um, uh, no, it's awesome to have you back as always. Um, uh, I was going to ask you real quick, mostly because I have something I wanted to mention, but uh, do you have any breaking news? You always come in with the hot. The oh, hot oh, my the God. Hot oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so like we, we talked a little bit about the news that we I can't say into this microphone that is like behind the scenes. So. But so, you know, like I'm, I'm back in KC for about a week to do this anime thing and it's going to be like. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. It, you know, we got the the Naruto group. And then, you know, on the day that Spider-Man 2 launches, we got, you, you know, we got Peter Parker, Miles and freaking Venom, Tony Todd, like 4KC to launch a property that huge. It's unheard of. Yeah, and it's, awesome. it's, it's going to be freaking rad. And then we're also, you know, you and I are talking about uh, what Comic-Con is going to be like in March. And like, I don't know what my future holds for that, but, um, you know, I'll tell you like my top, my first, the first five we are going to drop, um, it's going to be, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor are going to come back. Freaking love them. They're phenomenal. Lovely, lovely people. And, uh, also returning will be Kevin Eastman. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And especially with like the new last Ronin sequel series and, you know, that's going to be great. One from even the, the new movie that came out not too long ago. Turtles have been kind Uh, of reinvigorated a bit. We talk about it, but like, yeah. And, you know, I'm working a little bit more to that and can't really say yet. Um, and then also, uh, we got Mark Wade to come back, who was part of the first Planet Comic Con. I didn't know that shit. You never told me that until now. That's <laughs> so, fucking awesome. So, and it's funny. Like I found out, yeah, he was at one of the like. I think there were two shows the first year that Planet Comic Con ever happened, and Mark Wade was at one of them. And I got to tell you a real quick, uh, Mark Wade. My first interaction ever with Mark Wade. I knew who Mark <laughs> Wade was because at yeah. the time. I was reading Irredeemable and uh-huh. that. Yeah, yeah. I knew who he was, knew what he looked like. So I was just a volunteer in in my local show in Long Beach, California at the time. And I'm the guy who's kind of got to watch like the check-in line for exhibitors and all artist alley and these people. And I see Mark Wade standing in the back of the line and the show's like opened already. And he's like looking, looking at his phone, looking at all everywhere, uh, just kind of like looking like a little bit huffing and puffing. And I'm like, I'm because I'm kind of still fanboying at this time. And I'm like, hey, uh, Mark, hey. Um, so I walk around the side and I go, hey, do you, do you need some help? And Mark Wade, like, begins to, like, chastise me, huh. <laughs> like, totally like, oh, like, I'm a guest here and I got to wait for my stuff. And I like, I got a panel in five minutes I got to be at. And, you know, he's just a guy who <laughs> wants to get his stuff rolling. He knows he's got yeah. people waiting to get all the stuff. <laughs> And he's just aggre- really aggressive about it. And I'm like, you know, I'm new to all this at the time. So I'm kind of like, oh, OK, I, I Mark, I, I don't know. Let me let me help you. I'll do what I can. So like I go and I say like, hey, I'm Mark. Wade. So the guy behind the desk is like, just give him this badge and tell him to go. And so I, I give it to him and he just like he doesn't say anything at that point. Just like, you know, <laughs> Roadrunner smokes leaves to what he's got to go do. Yeah. And then it's funny. Late, and then later on that same day. So one of the guys who runs the convention, he's like, hey, you were the one that was here earlier, right? I'm like, yeah. 
Uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, Mark Wade came up to me and he said that he was sorry about the way he, he wanted to find you. And he, <laughs> he really wanted to apologize. And he said to, you know, go over to his table if, if you and I did like I because I, I wanted him to sign something for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, right. you know, I, I went to his table. and He's like, hey, like, I'm so sorry. You know, I was really in a hurry and it's bad day. It's getting the best of me. And I'm like, Mark, that's that's totally OK. Like, I really appreciate you apologizing. At the, you know, at this time, I'm not a kid. I know people have bad days and I yeah. know, you know, well, it's fair enough. If it, I mean, you imagine yourself in that situation. It's yeah. like, oh, you know, I don't know what the fuck is going on and I'm trying to do a bunch of stuff. You oh, know, yeah. Totally. Stuff. Yeah. It's like and, <laughs> it's, and, you know, and, and like and I'm not a kid. So like and I know the value of an apology when someone is really genuine about it. And he was to his credit. Mark Wade always seemed like a, he always seemed like he's a a genuinely nice dude like you know like it's like just he, kind of. he, i mean he's he, like any creator he's uh he's just a neurotic guy sometimes yeah, yeah. can come off and like he was like anytime i ever saw him after that i do like one time i saw him with chris samney in san diego and i remind him i was like my first time with you he was like you yelling at me he's like yeah i remember you and i are <laughs> like no no it's, it's totally fine i just i it's fine it's a funny story but yeah, so like we got off on a tangent. But yes, Mark Wade coming back awesome. uh, for 25th and that's going to be big. He's doing some of his, I hesitate to say career best because he's had such a consistent career, but he really is doing like top tier work right now with his DC stuff. Like, I, I think it's really, it, I think it's really a good return to form for him. Yeah. Like, like when he did Daredevil with Samney and that's where like really like that and Rocketeer is where I discovered Chris Samney and oh, yeah. love with his stuff. The Daredevil run for me was Chris Samney the first oh, time totally. I ever seen that shit's just like awesome, which is crazy because like he like Samney followed up as like a fill in artist on that arc when like Paulo Rivera couldn't yeah. do it and and like because that was the original artist starting on it and I love Paulo Rivera like that's some of my favorite shit but like that was like the one time I was like this is better like I was like Samney it works like I think it I think it partially too it just it really worked for the tone that, yeah. that they were going for you know, and, and but when they got into Black Widow like I didn't really like that as much and that's it. I like that series it, it, no it was okay um, but it, like it, and, and I get like I really only remember the first issue the silent one mm. which was like a really cool issue you know but like I remember I finished it but like I remember kind of like not it didn't grab me as much as that first issue does, I think. Well, yeah, like I, you know, and that was kind of like where I was like, oh, OK, you know, he's probably expelled all his creative ideas already. And, you know, that one kind of it went and it was it wasn't as received as the Daredevil run was. But yeah, it was kind of like and then, you know, he goes back and does the stuff like the world's finest and, you know, which the, has been um, great. It was. It's a <laughs> it's great a, series. It really like, is. It's been really good. And like, yeah, I don't know. He's just doing some really good stuff over there right now. And it's like, it's like, shit, this is like fucking classic Mark Wade back again. Like, that's awesome. Like, it's a, I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's great. Um, uh, definitely look forward to, to meeting him and whatnot. Yeah, that's going to be, awesome. be, that's going to be good. And then like, you know, as soon as we can really talk about the next five, um, I don't know if they're going to be at right after that or right after the, this announcement, but like the next five, the next five, if they all come through, um, you know, it's all going to be people that haven't been to this show before. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah. I've seen new people. New oh, faces. So does the, the so does this audience. Yeah. Man. And so, <laughs> you know, they try to bring it to them. So we'll see. Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, um, so today uh got you back on here. Um, We're talking about a book that we've said that we would 
do for a while on this show wanted um uh, wait this isn't a mark wade podcast now <laughs> no <laughs> it's a, a different mark by oh, okay yeah very it's different mark very, very different, different sensibilities yes. yeah <laughs> but uh, but uh uh it the us doing wanted at least today of it it is appropriate uh, because if you've listened to our uh, two episodes that we did on Mark Miller's Nemesis and Nemesis Reloaded respectively uh this book is significant in the like grand scheme of uh creator owned Mark Miller stuff uh first and foremost I mean for starters it's it's his original creator owned like published thing uh so I mean like that's true yes yeah. so it has like a foundational kind of feel to it you yeah. notice like in a lot of the you can you can derive a lot of Mark Miller tropes from this book that he will use in subsequent stories. Um, and uh, and it's just, you know, for all intents and purposes, um, it's uh, it's related to his Miller world universe. Now he's calling it um, because uh, uh, it's, the one that you couldn't see coming. Yeah. And, th- and that is important because it's it's the this book is kind of the crux of the currently ongoing crossover series he has coming out called Big Game at the time of this recording. There have only been three issues of the five. Um, it'll be I don't think it'll quite be done by the time this episode comes out, but it'll be close to it. And uh, you can bet, obviously, uh, we inevitably will be covering big game <laughs> when it finishes. Oh, yeah. No, I I'm I'm waiting for the day. We, yeah. I've been telling, I've been talking to you, too. And like, hey, should we wait to do big game? Should we like just do it along the way? And just now we got to wait to do big game. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do it when it's done. Yeah, because it's it's uh, if we were going issue by issue, I don't know if I'd have much to say these last. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's not pulling yeah. together quite yet. I'm sure it will in the next issue. But uh, but, you know, we'll 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 wait and see at least Um, now uh, in terms of the big game stuff, I will say Nemesis Reloaded leads uh, straight into that. So if you want to know more about that and our predictions that we had for it, um, you can listen to that episode, Um, because like I said, we'll be inevitably covering big game when it finishes. But we thought that this is a good opportunity to go back to the beginning and kind of take a look at uh, where all this stuff started for Mark Miller. Um, uh, I guess I'll go into the background, the facts and background stuff real quick here. But um, uh, this book comes to us from. Top Cow and Image Comics. Uh, it premiered with issue one in December of 2003, and I was a little surprised, not so much, I guess, uh, with J.G. Jones, because the, the art is is pretty detailed in this series, but it didn't conclude with issue six until February of 2005. So I remember took, that. Yeah, so it took quite a while for all of it to come out. That was when Mark was sick, I think, because he was do he was going to do Civil War. And, uh-huh. Was he? No. Civil War was he already, a little bit... It was a little before... That well, maybe it was during then. It might have been because I'm pretty sure Civil War was 04. I thought it was. Oh no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I thought it was second. It was 05. But I think it went into 05. Yeah, yeah, and that's when those those delays happened because mm-hmm. he got ill and the last like two issues, yeah. right or whatever. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that in the publication dates on that as well. But but yeah, this one this one took a little while to to finish. Um, uh, but like we said, written by Mark Miller, art by J.G. Jones, colors by Paul Mounts. It's lettered by three people: uh, Mark Roslin, Dennis Heisler, and Robin Spear. And for a non spoiler description, what if you were a total fucking loser? But then found out you were the heir to an empire of evil. Wesley Gibson is that loser, and he has supervillain blood running through his veins. When a mysterious woman appears and tells him that he is the son of the world's greatest assassin, Wesley must decide whether he wants to stay stuck in his mundane existence or take a leap into a debaucherous life of crime. Which one do you think he fucking chooses? (laughs) But but yeah, so so I will say just a little a little background stuff that I remember reading uh, from years ago about this book. Um, uh, Miller has told this story 
story a decent amount of times, but the concept for this book came to him as a child because he had this old magazine or book that um, had a depiction of some guy dressed up as Superman in it. Now, I'm not sure if this was George Reeves, but it was a live action person in a Superman costume, you know, like that. Uh, it, like, it, I, I don't remember if it was George Reeves or if it was some rando or something just for the magazine, but he was impressionable and young enough to think like, whoa, like that's Superman. Like Superman is like real. Like it's a real person, you know, <laughs> and so like it's kind of like a Santa Claus type thing for him, you know, and uh, then I guess uh, one day uh, one of his older brothers told him a very older brother thing and said, yeah, like superheroes all used to be real, but they aren't around anymore because the villains killed them all. Like his older brother said that. And that's when he was like that story started to gestate in his head, you know, and, uh, and, and, and admittedly, that's an inherently, I think, an interesting idea you know, to explore like in comics. Um, and, and he's kept that for all these years. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like not, and even like, and I mean, this is kind of in 2003, him just having that idea, but not really being able to do anything with it. Because mm -hmm. if you really think about it, like civil war was kind of like at the time, as far as you could go with that, like putting heroes versus heroes, because you had all these crossovers, but there was, there was, only a brief moment in crossovers in like Marvel and DC where the bad guy or whoever big villain there was had like issue four or five where like I'm triumphant, I'm gonna, I'm winning. But then immediately in issue five, they get it's thwarted. It's yeah. thwarted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, magically. <laughs> so at the time, like Civil War was probably as far as you could go with the idea of like heroes losing. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't turn out good for for yeah. anyone, really, like in a, in a sense. Yeah. No, I, t I totally agree. I mean, like we were we were at it. This book came out at a crossroads and, and Miller was a big uh, cog in like that portion of time where it was like things were changing you know it was like him and bendis and shit like you know really putting mm -hmm. like their stamp on like you know mainstream comics i guess and so yeah i mean so yeah this book was kind of you know a big deal when it came out for him and and kind of a big deal in terms of just like for the comic book industry you know uh but yeah um uh what did you expect going into this one david because we talked about this a little bit but um we, i can't we, remember did you say you never finished we, this? we talked about this and then at the time i did i did say that i read it but like as I was reading it again this time I or like what I perceived to be again this time was like, you know what? No, like I hadn't read it. I'd seen like snippets of it um, in like the Wizards. Yeah. Wizard reviews. Um, this had a, this had a wizard like special preview issue or it something. It did. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so like I saw that kind of stuff and I, I saw I read I read the last issue when it came out. And because I don't even remember why I only got that last issue. Cause I never read anything before that. No. I just <laughs> saw it, I picked it up and it's just there, read it, didn't know what the hell went on. It, yeah. When you read just that final part on its own, it's just like any other story. So I imagine that's a pretty disjointed experience. Yeah. So yes. you really got to like get the, the entire story to get it. So like actually in reality, my first exposure to this as a story was a James McAvoy movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say as well, um, I didn't even write that down for some reason. But uh, I mean, the first time I ever technically heard of this property was the wanted movie uh, with Angelina Jolie and James McAvoy and Morgan Freeman and shit. Uh, I think that's how most people probably first heard of it. Um, you know, I mean, like this con I, this book, I looked it up a little. I mean, it did sell pretty well. You know, I mean, like the it book sold well, but yeah. the movie also did the, well. And the yeah. movie's got a bigger audience. Exactly. Yeah. And so but but yeah, I um 
I mean, I don't know. We could talk about the movie a little. I, I don't like. Well, I, no, no. So <laughs> let's let's just say about about the movie. Like yeah. for me, having been exposed to the movie first, and then reading this, you know, twenty some odd years later, like I thought, like I, I guess I always thought, like, oh, okay, the movie probably took that whole thing and just did it. But no, like the movie actually made it more into like a a, a pretty defined good versus evil. I'm still going to be. Like I'm the rogue good guy at the end of that movie kind of thing. And the book does not like not spoil it at the end, yeah. but like you'll get to a point where it's just like, oh no, like the book, the book had such, has such a better grasp on what it is than the movie. Uh, yeah, that, that is true. I mean, like for, in retrospect, I used to think like being a fan of the book that like I just kind of inherently hated the movie because, uh, because oh you're one of those it, well yeah. well and the thing is, is uh, you're like, one of those it's okay I I like to think I'm not nowadays like you know it's we like all change. I, it's yeah fine. and and like and with this movie in particular obviously it's a case by case basis thing it too, is you know it always I mean? is uh, like I think we talked about too like how uh, the boys is is an example where I'm uh, t- similar tone wise actually to this but um uh, like I enjoy the boys TV series more than I like the book you know like i mean like i, yeah, I, I can't just, say that yeah. I'm, friends with, I'm friends with Derek robertson <laughs> no so no I, 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 I love Derek robertson I, I think he's great it's just like I, I just i prefer it um i don't know narratively more as the as the show than i did than i did the uh the book um not necessarily for the art or anything like that you know but uh, <laughs> but, but yeah um it, it you know in in this case i still don't think that the movie is great but i i see things that it does much better than the book even though it's nothing really like the book. I, I and I think that tonally they kind of nailed it. Like in, yeah. in, the, in the movie. They they nailed the tone. tone. Yes. It's just that the story is a completely fucking different thing. You know what actually got the tone and like as we go through these pages, like you can kind of see was the the music in the wanted movie set the tone and got the tone. Like that the whole Trent Reznor part of that soundtrack. <laughs> mm-hmm. It really just it paints the world of these pages audibly. And it's 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 good because like in these pages, I always thought this dude was like modeled after like Eminem or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just kind of like it it all like tonally that just kind of made it work for the like kind of X X and extreme feel. Yeah. Around this time <laughs> that was going on and everything. So I I guess like what I was I didn't I, I thought I knew what I was expecting, mm-hmm. but what I got from reading it, like, you know, and we'll talk about it and see, but it was it was not I guess I, I expected to be like, oh, I remember all of this stuff. And in reality, when I look at this, I didn't even really remember some of the things that I would later on somehow know that kind of lead into through net through the second nemesis series into big game like i don't know there's a lot of stuff he pulls to this day i don't know how i knew that now if i didn't know this back then yeah it's weird yeah i i totally get that i i think um for me i mean like uh like i just said my first exposure was the the movie um I got into comics shortly after that. It was all our exposure to James McAvoy, I think. Yeah, yeah, that time, too. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And like, I forgot that that was even him until like a few years ago. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about it, like James McAvoy, Angelina Jolie, Morgan Freeman are in the movie that some comic creator did <laughs> and it got turned into a movie. For, and this was the first time that 
Mark Miller Miller's property got turned into something. Yeah, he got that. So fucking, he was over the moon. He got that about, payday. He was over the moon about the payday. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it, and I remember that's why he was turning down that million dollar check from Marvel. It's <laughs> he like he's like nah. And I remember uh, Jeff Loeb uh, in some panel at a Wizard World show, like right after or right when Wanted was coming out talking about mark mark miller on a panel and he's like oh you can't even talk to mark miller anymore because you try to talk to him and he's all like oh have you seen my new movie wanted oh you can't because it's not in theaters yet but it's coming and it's <laughs> like it's just just the like creative jealousy about all that stuff and it's just it's it was funny to see that at the time and but like to be that creator get your first big payday have your work recognized and not only that like you're not getting some like indie film of your or not like not like indie level film of your work you're it's getting a major hollywood a major <laughs> hollywood studio production with like top level actors and one who wasn't top level at the time but now is yeah so that's it's wild to think about like this is where that guy started yeah it is pretty fucking wild yeah we should do kind of neat though you know yeah but <laughs> I, I, yeah I, I will just say real quick um uh an addendum to kind of my exposure uh to this book um as i went into detail on our original nemesis episode uh this book had a really big impact on me uh at, at kind of a turning point in my life and uh i was however and still was before we did this episode scared to revisit it um as I was almost certain it would not hold up <laughs> in a way. Uh, but uh, let's see how that goes. So uh, that, that's that's right, because you had told us that at the time you found out that your father was also a supervillain who killed a lot of people and you had that blood in you and you didn't know what to do with your life after that. I remember. That. Yeah, it's, I remember uh, that fondly. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's something that a lot of people go through and then, yeah. you know, you just uh, you get totally relatable like this, material. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but all right, let's jump on into the story section here. This is where we will recap the book uh, at hand beat for beat and tell you what we thought along the way. That means full spoilers ahead for Wanted. You have been warned. It's a 20 year old book. There are no more warnings. True. I always just say it just because, you know, fuck it, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Issue one is called Bring on the Bad Guys. And we start off with some narration from our main character, Wesley Gibson. And if you're familiar with the movie that we were just discussing, you've seen this part, but it's worse here. He opens the book with the line. This is my best friend having sex with my girlfriend over an Ikea table I picked up for a really good price so right away you get the tone pretty quickly black comedy and crass bullshit you know <laughs> yeah and you know it's, 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 it's wild like this is the first thing you see like in in jg's artwork is you see all his painted covers and mm-hmm. it's just not what you expect in, inside inside these pages what you get is not what you expect from seeing the covers it's so comic booky and Really like John McCrea boys tonal now, I guess. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the tone of this book, yeah, you can you can think uh, the boys for sure that type, that type of thing. Uh, we get a few pages of Wesley talking about his mundane life. Um, basically, there, you know, in in no shorter terms, he uh, he doesn't stand up for himself. Uh, he's a hypochondriac. Um, he hates his job where he takes infinite shit from his boss, who the book goes out of their way multiple times to point out is African American for some reason. Um, That's weird. Yes, like, it's it, very. It's- Fucking weird. Really weird, yeah. Uh, and uh, he he also essentially gets picked on by these guys at the bus stop every day, who he also refers to in an insensitive manner. And at this point, I was like, we're three pages in, and I was like, fuck, why are we doing this book? <laughs> I was like, I, <laughs> but I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I don't remember him. I didn't remember him being so a piece of shit. <laughs> like, 
I, I, an it's, angry, your, it's, it's your podcast. You're getting demonetized, but an angry fucking um, piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like oh, and very Al Bundy about things in a way. Yeah, serial yeah. killer tendencies for sure, which I guess is fitting for what happens later in the story. But you know, uh, anyway. He ends his rant by kind of talking about how uh, his dad walked out on him when he was a baby and he knows little to nothing about his dad, basically. And uh, we then actually cut to Wesley's father in the modern day, who is this rich old guy who's about to film uh, some young adult dudes having sex. Uh, He talks about how he's... (laughs) He's he says he switches to like homosexual escapades every other year to further whet his appetite for women. And I'm like, I'm OK, you know, whatever, whatever floats your own boat. <laughs> but yeah, no, no. Was, in this day and age, you know, we can't like we can't knock um, it's it's we can't knock his yums. But I, I, well, and I wouldn't I wouldn't in any way want to imply that we're knocking his yums for for that choice in, in partnership or, or sexual orientation. It's more the it's, way that the book like does the it. Book, it's more of the the, the, the book explan- makes it seem the like explanation a, that yeah. the book gives you for his like his tendencies. They're very I'm like, nobody talks like nobody this. talks like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, man. It's, and, oh, and you'll find you'll find I think that most of the things sort of like our first nemesis episode, there's probably going to be a lot of comparisons here, not necessarily to that book, but like our complaints, I think, um, are, are going to be a lot of um, not necessarily the content in itself or the way it goes. Although sometimes it's the way it goes, but uh, the way in which Mark Miller writes these characters uh, as infinitely despicable terrible people and it's like yes i can take a book where it's like the people are supposed to be terrible i mean i love it's always sunny in philadelphia where mm-hmm. every character is like a piece of shit you yes. know or whatever but it's you know it's but, but every but character is, every character is a piece of shit in a relatable way yeah yeah the, like the stuff that mark gets away with is just unrelatable I- irredeemable uh, yes unrelated yes yeah. um, but i will say i think the main thing about this though is that like there are points in the book where you don't know if mark thought this was actually cool or not like you know like it's like some of it is like Okay, if I take it at face value and just assume that all these characters are pieces of shit and I'm getting into the characterization, sure. But the book almost feels like it's like showing you these things in a way where you're like, hell yeah, isn't that cool and edgy? Almost like, you yeah, know? almost, almost <laughs> like, is this what your idea, is this what your idea of edgy is? Yes, you know? yes. And and I think there's I think there's something to that that I'll probably harp on later, yeah. like in the overall stuff. But but there's definitely something there. But it, anyway, so yeah, Wesley's dad, he's a, he's a weird uppity weirdo <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh you know he, he just kind of goes on and on talking to these guys and um, until a uh, red dot appears on his head and he quickly moves and the guys that he has in his place are uh, shot up and the way they are shot up i noticed this on my re- reread but they are like riddled with bullets right and they're, it's like crazy looking they're not just riddled with bullets they are they're being torn apart they're dismembered like, <laughs> by the bullets and it's really like it's continuing now in big game like yeah. That and to spoil that, but like that scene where the chrononauts get like shot up to shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like it, yeah, he 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 likes writing scenes where they do that. But like this depiction that JG Jones does is just like it's crazy looking. And like I also wanted to point out, like, this is the first scene on my reread. Um it, it, where I, I realized like the scene and the way that the panels are laid out and even the 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 art style, it reminds me a lot of Brian Hitch. And I never like realized how similar Brian Hitch and J.G. Jones kind of are <laughs> like I the think, way. <laughs> aren't they like from the same 
kind of like era part of the world like they i mean they definitely came up around the same yeah, time I think like they, i mean yeah. hitch would have already been like an all-star by this point for for a little while at least like you know after well, ultimates from, from ultimates yeah. yeah yeah no you're right yeah, yeah. but like yeah, I just I, I was like I was like, oh, they cut. I never realized how close this kind of is to Hitch, like style wise. I mean, J.G. Jones does his own stuff, obviously. But yeah. Like, and, you know, they, they can I just mean, like, stylistically, it's it's pretty similar. And I was like, it's kind of cool. I like that. Like, I, I like Brian Hitch. So <laughs> but <laughs> but um, uh, anyway, uh, it's here that Mr. Gibson goes after these assassins. Um, He kills the. <laughs> so so wait, 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 before we continue, this is a very Mark Miller trope of like the convenience factor of his characters. Cause he's, we're led to believe that he's going to like bang these two dudes that he was going to video or watch and whatever. Y- yeah. <laughs> wearing his Spider-Man boots. Like, look, yeah, at he does hammer. have Spider-Man boots. On, and like, he's sticking to walls with Spider-Man boots. Yeah. And like, he had those on like, granted, if I had Spider-Man boots that stuck to walls, <laughs> maybe I would use them to have sex. I'm sorry to paint that. You never know. You never, you never know. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but so he, he goes after him. Uh, and he kills the shit out of these, you know, would be assassins. And he asks uh, who they were for. But, you know, the, the one guy he left alive says that uh, they just got his name in an envelope. They didn't even know who he was and gives and laughs and taunts the guy saying that uh, they were sent to kill the killer. And he asks again who the guy is and who he works for. And that would be assassin then tells him that they are just decoys. And Gibson is shot through the head uh, from the back. So cut to a little while later and we're at Gibson's funeral and we meet two guys named Imp who's a little blue goblin imp guy and a sucker who is a strange alien looking parasitic dude. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) sucker mentions how the shot that killed Gibson was taken from like two cities away or some shit. And the killer, (laughs) the killer hasn't been found. Uh, They talk about how crazy it is that the killer was murdered this way. They also mention Fox who was Gibson's current wife. They do say it's, it's his wife in this scene, which is weird because they, they say they aren't married later in the series. There's a couple of inconsistencies. Yeah, from, it, go, <laughs> like it, it, it goes back and forth. And I think that was intentional. Though. Yeah, I, I, I'm not even sure. Yeah, because like it's it. I guess you could look at it that way. Yeah, I mean, but it's just I was just like, did he fuck that up? I don't know. But it's like but they also. Yeah, like I said, they mentioned Fox, who is Gibson's current wife. And uh, she's, a you know, a crazed killer in her own right. Uh, they also mentioned a guy named Rictus. Now, Rictus is apparently a guy Gibson had a lot of beef with. And it's believed that he is behind this murder, or at least that's the uh, the rumor that is kind of at the top of everybody's mind. Um, uh, the topic goes to the vast fortune that Gibson acquired over his years and how Fox isn't actually going to get a dime of it because, as we know, Gibson had a son named Wesley whose life is about to change forever. Cutting back to Wesley here. We see that his life is uh, just worse. His uh, girlfriend confessed to him of having like a bunch of affairs and then talks about wanting a kid so that she'll feel more attractive to Wesley after he commits more to her and stuff. It's just like crazy, crazy shit. It's it's very, I mean, like, like so... <laughs> it, you know, it's it's weird like i want to say like oh this is so horribly out of touch written and th- this this was one of the few parts of the book where i was like yeah man you gotta love crazy chicks yeah <laughs> yeah i mean like i mean there's 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 a realness to their relationship it's just that we only get like realistically speaking in the book we only get like three or four moments and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cartoony realness to yeah. their relationship but it, like as you know as, as someone who has been in that and kind of like this not fully like wesley situation but like when it comes to relationships that kind of thing we're oh, like i don't know but like 
it, it just really was so cartoony that looking at it, 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 it made me just cringe so much. Oh yeah. 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 It makes you, it makes you cringe a lot, <laughs> but, but yeah. So like a few days later, you know, Wesley is at a sandwich shop getting his lunch when a leather clad Halle Berry looking lady tells the associate that Wesley won't be having his sandwich today. This is Fox. Uh, she looks like Halle Berry and is ironically a Catwoman allegory. Uh, you'll find that there are a lot of DC Comics allegories here, so hang on. Um, but uh, you'll, I also find it funny. Uh, every article that I looked up for this book um, uh, bothered to mention how it's quote unquote rumored that her design Foxes is based on Halle Berry. This is fucking Halle Berry. Like, this, this is, is just Berry. a drawing is, of Halle Berry. This is Halle Berry. <laughs> and for, for people that, you know, like me, saw the movie before, this is the character that Angelina, Angelina Jolie, Jolie plays, plays in the book, yes. in, in the movie. And it's actually, so it's it's weird to me, like, I think um, James McAvoy's character in the movie, I don't like as much as I like Wesley in the book, or at least, like, I think is a better interpretation in the book. Yeah. But, like, I like Angelina Jolie's interpretation in the movie more than I like the Fox character in the book. Fox is uh, is probably the biggest character that I misremembered in this book. Oh, like, yeah. you know, I mean, like because um, I used to think I was like, oh, yeah, I love Fox. Like just thinking back on it, you know, and I was like, oh, she sucks. And she's hardly a character. <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, like, so, you know, that's just a testament to how my sensibilities have changed in a decade and a half. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you, you know, yeah, I just thought that, that was funny that they were like, oh, it's rumored that she's based off Halle Berry. It's like that. that's clearly Halle Berry. And also, like, like, uh, like David was saying earlier as well, um, Wesley is based on Eminem. That's actually a fact thing. That's something they've said. Yeah, <laughs> he's based on Eminem. So he looks like that. Uh but yeah, Fox tells Wesley that they have an appointment with uh, who she refers to as the professor. So they better get going. Wesley, rightfully so, is like, who are you? How do you know my name? I'm not going anywhere. To which Fox responds by saying, wow, how uncharacteristically assertive, Wesley. You feel brave with all these people around? You think the Fox is scared of a goddamn security camera? She then proceeds to mow down everybody in the sandwich shop, killing everybody besides Wesley. Uh, Wesley freaks out and then complies with Fox to get in her car. And then th- this is totally like the first real big shift of it, because in this scene in the movie, it's Angelina Jolie protecting uh, Wesley from an assassin. Oh, yeah. In and the they're market. at the pharmacy. They're right? at the yeah, market yeah. pharmacy, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And like she's protecting him. It's not her, you know, doing the whole like airport scene from Call of Duty 2. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. No. Yeah. I will. I will agree. This is this is literally where it shifts completely from the movie. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's a totally different thing in there. But yeah, because they start driving, you know, and and Wesley talks about how she's like, he's like, he's like, you won't get away with this. Like the police will come and whatever. But Fox explains that as long as she has this specific pin on her jacket and they have these uh, specific license plates on the car they're driving, they can do whatever they want. Uh, That's the benefit of being a member of the fraternity. And uh, she also mentions how as a member, Wesley can now shoot kill rape or destroy anyone without consequence that escalated quickly that, okay it does <laughs> like i'm like fuck it, it gets so serious and raw here and then it's immediately like tonally undercut by her like in in like a couple of panels she'll put like these ears on in their <laughs> elevator ride down and it's yeah. the most like 1960s 66 batman moment oh yeah everything yeah it's so weird yeah it is very strange there's there's a lot of strange tonal shifts in this book for sure but uh fox you know it, like you were saying drives them to a facility where the car is taken down into a secret lair um she she has like a she talks shop with a guy named Dollmaster about going to a parallel earth 
like she's like say like oh it's it's an earth we like to raid every now and then or whatever so you get full comic book superhero shit all of a sudden in this book and uh uh she tells wesley as they go down that his dad was one of the greatest supervillains of all time but he's gone now and wesley can't believe like the absurdity of any of this but fox assures him that you know they're like we're a part of a metahuman criminal network she calls it that has been running everything since 1986 and uh they go to a door where they meet a bizarro superman allegory whose name is also insensitive uh (laughs) 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 but you you have to tell him the opposite of what you want blah 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 you know like like that's his character he's strong and and you gotta be like i don't want you to open that door and then he'll fucking open the door for you or whatever and uh, uh this leads wesley to question if superheroes are real because she tells him that he's a clone of like the world's first superhero and uh the professor at this point who's in the room that they just went into chimes in saying that the superheroes are no longer a concern and we finally meet professor solomon seltzer uh he tells wesley that his father was once his personal bodyguard and he wants wesley to do the same and uh, this was all a part of his father's uh wishes post-death and uh wesley basically gets uh the deal is like he gets 50 million dollars if he can break out of his mundane existence and seize his destiny that his father laid out for him and be the new killer which is what his father was called what's what's exactly like the paperwork and like final exam of that? <laughs> like how do they when legally someone, hold yeah, into that yeah. yeah i don't know i don't know i mean i, I mean technically speaking i mean I, I mean like when someone says hey like this dead relative left you 10 million dollars but you gotta spend a night in a haunted house and yeah blah, blah, blah. okay that's cut and dry one night you know nine eight nine p.m to nine a.m kind of thing yeah totally cut and dry this is kind of like oh, you gotta become a badass you gotta like, you, okay who's yeah. the judge of being a badass yeah very very true yeah it's 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 a weird arrangement but yeah <laughs> and wesley of course is in disbelief by all this uh but the professor says you know it, it's in your blood and he has the he quote says he has a natural talent for death which is basically the only descriptor of his superpower you get <laughs> in this entire book and uh he he then tells wesley uh he's going to prove it by shooting the wings off some pesky flies that he has, uh, you know, in his lab around him. And Wesley is averse to this, saying that he's never even shot a gun, never held a gun, nothing like that. But Fox holds one to his head and gives him until the count of three to do it. And he does it. Angelina did do this in the movie. She did I do remember, that. Yes. Yeah. But it was about curving bullets or whatever. <laughs> like it's stuff. I don't know. There's no curving bullets, by the way, in this book. Yeah. Like and, that. <laughs> and McAvoy was really more whiny in this moment than Wesley is on the page. And I think that's where like the two, the disconnect and like my dislike of that performance specifically uh, started and the whole that and you're right. There's the whole moment of like, yeah, yeah all yeah. of a sudden does it. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. But, but yeah, like, you know, Wesley does do the thing. He shoots the, you know, wings off the flies <laughs> and uh, and he's shocked as the result and asks, he's like, what the fuck is this? And the issue ends with Professor Seltzer saying, isn't it obvious the answer to all your problems, Wesley? And so we go to issue two, which is titled Fuck You. And it starts with Wesley uh, actually, funny enough, back in his normal life. Uh, he goes through the same shit. Uh, I guess basically the, the, the key is that they gave him 24 hours to decide. (laughs) So he's just like doing his normal stuff. And, uh, he calls Fox though, like in the middle of his work day. And he says that he wants her to teach him how to be a supervillain and say, he says something along the lines of like, I want to know how to say fuck you to the world. Like everybody else does. 
Like, you know, it's like he feels like he's 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 not got a leg up on other people. And uh, she tells him to stand up right there, throw his papers and yell it out to everyone. And he uh, he actually musters up the courage and he yells out, fuck you, you fucking assholes, and throws his papers in the air and leaves. And uh, as he walks out, uh, he finds Fox waiting there for him. And so his training kind of begins. Uh, he does. Uh, I'll kind of go through this quick, but it's a uh, he does target practice on corpses to get used to like the feel of like bullets, like, you know, hitting bone and stuff. And uh, he works in a slaughterhouse for months to kind of condition himself to be uh, less empathetic, like, you know, more like just like, oh, it's just meat, you know, whatever, like killing things and stuff. And uh, he starts working out and getting the hell beat out of him daily, like to you basically get used to being punched like so he's not scared of like you know physical confrontation and we see him go on uh this is where it gets fucked up he we see him go on like killing sprees like shooting like random people and then he goes to killing people who slighted him in his life and he talks about how he like raped an a-list celebrity and it didn't even make the news because the fraternity truly runs everything like they can bury anything like anything goes away it's it's just like fantasy land shit <laughs> oh, man do you um do you ever watch Chappelle's show Oh, yeah, of course. Do you yeah. remember the Wayne Brady thing? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. It was totally like just reminding me of that <laughs> when we were talking about it. Like, I don't know. The seedy underworld. Yeah. <laughs> just going in. But yeah, he just does every fucking bad thing that he can. And uh, But we, we do get a scene where Wesley breaks up with his girlfriend by telling her like the truth. He's just saying like, I'm a supervillain now and my dad was a supervillain, whatever. And she tries to put blame on him for having like a nervous breakdown. But he says that he's never felt better. And uh, geez, he got rid of that empathy real quick, huh? Oh, I mean, I know this is supposed God. to be over months, but yeah. it's like five pages. So you're like, oh, okay. it's, it's 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 like it is the worst <laughs> montage of all time. <laughs> it's, it's like the opposite of getting better. It's just a human being spiraling into like the worst over the top thing. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, I, but yeah. And Wesley, even with his girlfriend, too, uh, he ends their conversation by telling her he killed his friend that she was cheating on him with and that she can basically go fuck herself. <laughs> and it's like, OK, uh, we then cut to the ceremony that is taking place where Wesley is officially inducted into the fraternity. He even gets to wear his dad's old supervillain costume. Uh, real quick. What do you think about the design of the the killer's costume? You know, like. What I remember from Wanted initially, like... It doesn't it, really have, like, a costume in it, the movie. It, no, no. Because it, it's the, not the, about supervillains, I it's guess. Not, it's not really about... It's, it's, like, it's what supervillains in the real world would look like, and they're not all costume. Yeah. But I remember the promotion for the original series and seeing JG have the... the painting of you know wesley in the suit with the, pointing the gun yeah and it's then, one like, of the covers do, right how you yeah. do all the like uh variants of and afterward and all that and the suit always came off kind of like kind of like gimpy in a pulp fiction way to yeah me. yeah and it was very but it's it, it actually it's weird because it comes off that way but it never really fully crosses that line to be ridiculous it still looks a little badass it kind of reminds me of the shield like tactical uniforms oh my god yeah like yeah. it's like that but he has like the he has a hood over him and he has like a and he has like a gas mask yeah and goggles and shit but like uh but the the suit you know it's like it's black and it's got like you know just like silver belts around it and, and stuff it, like that. It, but if you think about it, it is that transition out of the 90s of like zippers and pouches and pockets yeah like into more of like a sleek uh, or like tactical form yeah, kind of thing military like tactical yeah. type thing yeah no I, I totally get that it it is it is kind of of the time i like the design i think it's kind of neat you know it's striking 
I didn't hate I didn't hate the design. I thought it was right for the book, but it's not iconic. That something that you remember. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't say it's it's quite that level, but I but I do uh, I do just like it. I think it's cool looking, you know, or whatever. And it's and like I said, kind of striking. Like you don't really know like what the book is, like you know, <laughs> like so it's like. But yeah, I, I also think it's kind of funny that in this scene, uh, he's like thinking to himself how he's like, it sucks we can't wear these. Like I look really good in it or whatever, you know. Like it's like because it, basically like they don't wear their superhero sh- or their supervillain like get ups because they're you know they're running the world they're like undercover yeah you know it's like they don't they only do that for like ceremonial purposes and stuff but uh um however though all is not well because mr rictus shows up to the ceremony and everybody is on edge but wesley is like who the fuck's this guy and uh rictus explains how wesley's dad and fox used to work for him but they jumped ship because they didn't like his methods and it's here that fox mentions how rictus was going into cribs Whatever that means, uh, I guess she has one percent of a conscience. Apparently, <laughs> like she has got a problem with that. I guess, but she has lines. She yeah, has I guess, but, 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 you know, fucking like doing everything else is fine. I don't know, but uh, anyway, fucking uh, the professor tells Rictus that you know he's got to leave, and Rictus like obliges, but not before telling Wesley that he's always welcome to his side, and hopefully he is smarter than his dad was. Uh, and then, yeah, <laughs> visually, who does Rictus remind you of? Because it bothered me. It, it's it's almost like to me visually, he's he's like a cross between Killer Croc and the Red Skull. Killer Croc, uh, yeah, Red Skull. They're, they're both apt comparisons. Um, I do think obviously like his character, not the look, but his character is supposed to be a Joker allegory. Uh, to really, an that's what you got. Mm-hmm. Huh. I, I, I guess I'll, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I've I've got some. I mean, not you know a hundred percent crazy, but uh, you know, just like his. I don't know the way he talks sometimes and stuff. And it's like, it's, it seems like they're trying to do a Joker thing and they also have the Batman allegory thing later. So, we'll, did, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, uh, um, I, he, I, yeah, I guess just for you listening, like, um, he's got like a burned up face, mm-hmm. but it's kind of confusing when you first see him, like to fully understand what it is. We do get his backstory later. So we do know that he was in fact, just like in a fire and, uh, and nearly died. Um, I, I think he did die. He died for like a few minutes or something and then came back. But, um, his his look it, it it does look like a burn victim but his teeth are like razor sharp yeah you know and, and he has these sunglasses that are like they're like the john lennon's you know with the small circles oh but no they're, they're just totally red yeah john yeah lennon's, they're yeah. just totally like just completely red so it kind of looks like he's just got like blank red eyes and mm-hmm. stuff and it's it, it's almost reptilian so that's right you get the killer croc thing like it, you know it's it's, like- <laughs> li- it's literally like every super vill- or really like menacing villain kind of thing you can put into a cauldron and stir it yeah like the yeah. like the look the mentality the like uh, kind of like the 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 feel that you get from the character is very like bond villainy yeah yeah he has that that's for sure yeah i yeah i don't know i i think that he reminds me of a lot of people but it, but yeah it's uh it's as with a lot of the characters in this, like they may be a, an allegory on on paper for one thing, but then they kind of work as like another thing as well, you know. So we'll, we'll probably end up talking about that a couple times with a few of these characters, but <laughs> but yeah, like uh, the the issue then ends with the professor and Wesley talking, you know, after that whole ceremony thing, and uh, we get a lot of exposition here. Rictus is uh, they he explains how uh, Rictus is one of the five main crime bosses in the fraternity, and how they split the continents up when they won. Like you know, in 1986, and, and they, they talk, everything. Yeah, yeah, and and Rictus is bitter because he got Australia, and that's like one of the like you know nothing. Happens that's a consolation like prize. Yeah, yeah it it's is. like so. So he has been gunning for the professor and basically North America ever since. And uh, he tells Wesley that there's no doubt 
that Rick just killed his dad. He's like, there's no way it wasn't him. <laughs> you know, like they hated each other. And Wesley asked more specifically, uh, he, he's, he's kind of interested in the history of this. And he's like, how did, how did you guys like change the world? Like, why doesn't anybody remember this shit? You know, <laughs> like, and, uh, and the professor explains that one day super villains just got tired of all this shit. There were more of them than the heroes and they teamed up, uh, and vastly outnumbered the heroes. Basically, uh, they had a huge war in New York for three months and resulted in, uh, the villain's victory. Uh, then using the aid of like, he, he says they used uh, dimensional imps and alien technology. They rewrote the world, made everybody forget the reality that superheroes were real. And um, he even goes into detail, <coughs> implying that the uh, killer's enemy was a Batman allegory. He mentions a warrior princess and his old enemy who is helpless in a nursing home. Everybody believing him to be crazy. Uh, Wesley is shocked. Because it's like, as the professor explains this to him, uh, these like right below the surface memories start unlocking for him. And he says, like, it's like I knew this all along, but I didn't remember until like hearing someone say it. Like it's like a spell was broken or something like that. Uh, the professor then tells Wesley he wants to show him something that he can never mention to anybody else. And he opens a secret door where displayed inside of a big tube is a tattered cape resembling Superman's after the fight with Doomsday in the death of Superman. And it's it's clearly Superman, right? Like that's who it, at, uh, at this <clears throat> point in time, it is Superman. Later on, we, ta- we talked yeah, for context here because we talked about this a lot in Nemesis Reloaded um, in that episode. But I think Miller is trying to retcon now that that cape belonged to Superior mm-hmm. or Starlight, one of his other like Superman creations that creations. he did not have at the time. Yeah, who knows? But this is so clearly this guy, professor is fucking Lex Luthor mm-hmm. or a version of Lex Luthor. And this is fucking Superman. <laughs> Like, you know, yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's any debating that. But yeah, uh, Wesley, you know, seeing the cape, which this is a great moment, by the way. I remember talking about this in the Nemesis Reloaded episode because he shows the cape to Nemesis in that one. And I was like, oh, he showed him the cape. Like, I was like, <laughs> like I was like, oh, I remember that. That was cool. See, what, I, what I don't know is later on when we would talk about Nemesis, read Nemesis and that and like it showed him the cape. I don't know why I knew that that was from Wanted yeah. when I didn't read this part of Wanted to begin yeah. with. It was never in the movie. Yeah. So here's my theory, is that like Mark Mark Miller is tapped into some kind of weird multiversal consciousness. And it is like in our universe, we had superheroes and they all got killed, like Daredevil, Spider-Man and all these things were at one point real. And then like here, they all got killed. And now the world is run by bad guys, which we know is like, just go on Twitter. There's just tons of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. That's my weird put me in a home thought. (laughs) That's all right. I can see. Well, uh, but yeah, basically Wesley is amazed. And the professor says that he kept this as a a secret souvenir after the war. And uh, then as the issue, uh, you know, comes to a close, he tells Wesley it's time to get to work. And uh, issue three is called Super Gangbang. God, there are so many moments that make me regret doing this anyway. So um, anyway, this this issue throws a lot at us right off the bat. It starts off with Wesley and the crew on a parallel Earth, and they are fighting a bunch of superheroes after acquiring an item for the professor. Uh, they transport back home after a successful mission and appears to be a piece of green radioactive material uh, and is told to be deadly to his former nemesis as well as the Bizarro clone guy. So it's kryptonite. I don't know why I wrote all that out. Uh, the, the professor... <laughs> Professor says he wanted he wanted it to give as a gift to an old friend. And Fox then asked to be relieved of guard duty at the big annual meeting that is taking place later that day. Uh, the professor says that's OK because Wesley and the Bizarro guy can handle it. 
Uh, we cut to Wesley accompanying a fellow fraternity member, the Dollmaster, who we talked about before. Uh, they're going to his house because Dollmaster was there with him in the parallel earth. And uh, he says something along the lines of how, oh, you know, like we were only there for like a day, but it's it's like in that earth, it's it's like three weeks here mm-hmm. or some shit, you know. So uh, but yeah, Dollmaster wants Wesley to come in to kind of cover for him with his wife and kids who don't know the truth about the fraternity or him. They just think he's like a, a toy manufacturer guy. And uh, obviously, too, by the way, Dollmaster is a toy man allegory. <laughs> <laughs> like, and the name didn't yeah, give it away. Yeah, yeah, but um, uh, he 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 makes you know creepy dolls who like do his bidding and stuff, and, and that's it. But uh, uh, when they get to the house, though, Dollmaster tells Wesley that he actually wanted to tell him to look out for Fox, and he knew that if they were in the uh, you know, in his house, at least nobody could tap in and hear what they're talking about. Um, but yeah, he he's basically like a lot of the fraternity have been talking, and they think that Fox may be the actual one responsible for Wesley's dad's death. Wesley shuts this down, not convinced, but Dollmaster reminds him that she has a lot to gain with Wesley out of the picture, like, you know, being like his wife or whatever, you know, so it's like, oh, okay, there might be something to that. Uh, Jumping to the big meeting, uh, we see the big gathering of the supervillains. Uh, The professor gives some exposition on a few key people, uh, including a couple of guys on Rictus' payroll. I'm going to go through a couple of them, but one guy who we have seen before is called Shithead. Uh, he's made up of literal shit, but I love this. I actually kind of fucking love the explanation of, of what he is. <laughs> it's, it's like so fucking over the top and ridiculous, but he is made up of literal shit. Mm-hmm. He is just a shit being made of shit. I don't know how many times I could say that, but it's from a, the collective 666 most evil people to have ever lived. <laughs> so it's like Hitler and Jeffrey Dahmer, you name it. And his power is he works like Clayface. He can transform into people and stuff. <laughs> and that's his thing. But he's made of, once again, shit. shit. And um, and uh, we also meet, uh, it's not too important, but uh, uh, Johnny Two Dicks is a guy who has an evil dick that dictates his every move. Weird fucking idea. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck is this? I'm like, I, I like reading through this scene. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Okay, fucking <laughs> hey, let's keep going. But uh, the, the professor warns Wesley to not be reckless and go after Rictus, even if he thinks that he killed his dad, because Rictus, like, he's like, you've made some big strides, Wesley, but Rictus is, you know, a huge threat. And uh, it's here where we, like we were talking about, I, we get Rictus's backstory, um, uh, they, they describe it in a bit more detail than we did a bit ago, where they say he was actually like a super devout Christian and he got burned up in an accident. And when he died for like a few minutes, he saw nothing. So he came back, thought that he had like lived his life a lie, mm-hmm. you know, like he had like lived in servitude for nothing. And he just like abandoned his conscience afterwards. So he just loves like murdering and killing and and people dying and shit and like you know it's but, that, just, but that's actually a very good like philosophical question that's always really rare for mark miller to bring up like because he kind of like he built nemesis on like oh what if batman was an asshole yeah but like here with something he was onto something of like if you came so if you believed hardcore your entire life in like some invisible being this and that and devoted your life to it and then you died and found out that it was all for nothing what you know what is your mind after that like what do you lose as a part of your humanity yeah I, I agree that like the the question is interesting it's just something that is like it's only really touched upon here obviously like yeah. never again and it's kind of just like you know it, it kind of falls victim to the mark miller stuff of this time mm-hmm. where it's like it might be like 
there's a nugget of like something and then it's like just yeah but you know <laughs> go go back and go back to this like go back to shithead or whatever you know it's like it's just, like it's it's it, like you know it, it, he doesn't really do much with it afterwards i appreciate it being mm-hmm. there I do think it adds. Oh, he never does anything with it afterwards. Yeah, yeah. It's somebody it, sat in there. Whoever he paid to edit was like, hey, like, uh, oh, this is a great little touch. Like, what if you expanded on this? I'm like, oh, I think people really want shithead. <laughs> I think they want shithead and uh, and the guy with like a talking dick or whatever. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> so you're going to green light my talking dick. And they're like, God damn it. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, but we, we do see um, uh, during this, you know, kind of gathering and whatnot before they have the big meeting uh the professor gifts that kryptonite piece to the host of this meeting who is the leader of asia uh ching sang mandarin yeah mandarin yeah and um uh, who who is delighted by the gift and basks in the uh glory days with the professor basically um then it's uh onto the actual meeting from there on where the professor talks about it, we kind of cut to the end where it's like he's talking about their profits from the previous year and you know just being like okay we did this and hopefully you guys could pick up the slack here and blah 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 a good job and uh rictus then tries to rally a vote between the territories to go public like be super villains out in the open again meaning that yeah he wants them to come out of the shadows and rule openly the argument against this being that it would start an uprising or attract superheroes from the multiverse which we know exists <laughs> now like, but uh, so rictus uh but you know he, he doesn't care he, he's in this for the pain and suffering he causes others and the the like riches and stuff are are very much secondary to him yeah like he doesn't care and um you know he he likes being seen and feared he even talks about how uh he misses like the papers like talking about them and stuff like that and how like their names like should like strike fear into people and shit but nobody knows who the fuck they are because they're doing everything from the shadows so we get context that Rictus brings this up every year when they have this meeting and it, it, but he's always outvoted by three to two. Uh, there's the, the professor Ching Sang and the African leader, Adam one. Uh, but Rictus is confident that this time saying that Ching Sang may have changed his mind, but Ching Sang backs off saying that he's thought about it and he wants to wait and see what happens. So Rictus leaves all pissed off. Wesley tells him to go fuck goats and uh Rick just says that he doesn't fuck them he makes love to them it's a really weird little scene yeah <laughs> but, oh and, yeah. and um, i just thought that was worth mentioning for some reason do you also notice at this point that we <laughs> see that shithead is wearing like underwear yeah clay face never you know was mud yeah it's just weird i don't know he, he did there's some i don't know there's a great drawing of a bunch of the villains at the end of this like hardcover i have where they're all done by different artists and sinkevich does shithead and it's like it's pretty cool <laughs> it's, we'll have to look at that after a bit but yeah but anyway uh, after that uh bizarro guy drives wesley and the professor around after the meeting wesley brings up how the professor played the situation perfectly and he brings up how he got ching saying that gift so that he'd remember their friendship in like the old times and the professor goes a step further and is like oh i also wore like this sentimental cologne he'd recognize and subliminally tapped a bunch of messages like you know like around him to make him come back to my way of thinking basically and you know kind of just keeping things the status quo but he tells wesley to go take the night off and enjoy himself and he tells a bizarre guy to take him to the meatpacking district for some young girls they bother to mention that uh but he drives the professor to an alley instead and he murders him by drowning him in shit because it's shithead. Everyone's favorite shithead. Oh, death by dysentery. Oh. Yeah, he even says that, yes. Oh. And, uh, shithead then steps out of the car, and Rick just meets him with a cadre of supervillains, ending the issue by saying it's time to go get the rest of them. And uh, issue four comes in, and it is titled Crime Pays. And 
it actually starts off with what I think is a great scene. Uh, we get a conversation with Wesley and Fox after they just had sex, and it's kind of the realest conversation in the book. Um, <laughs> I think uh, Wesley talks about how the first portion of it is he talks about how after the professor dropped him off, he felt kind of like on edge and angsty. So he went and shot up a police station for fun, I guess. And he left one officer alive and Fox is like, oh, did you rape her? But then Wesley said something broke in him and he just started crying. And like he starts to ask if this is all there is to life now, like like as in like the debaucherous nature of all this is just fucking destroying him at this point. But Fox says that his dad didn't want him to start off uh, or start this and, you know, and be a sociopath like a little late for that, but whatever. And she continues by saying he just wanted you to do what you really wanted with your life. And sometimes that means watching TV in bed all day. And other times it means murdering some motherfucker. The other point of this exercise was to bring a little choice into that sad, pathetic thing you used to call your life, you know, and I just have to say edgy cursing and murder aside. This is why I think this book's like core message is actually interesting. And to a degree, like kind of an important one. Uh, It's a great way to humanize these two characters and kind of bring some realistic emotion to this like otherwise vastly absurd story like i i like this message and i remember it a lot when i first read it (laughs) it was like the idea of like kind of taking charge of your life and stuff like i mean yeah and (laughs) and and everything like that's what the core of the movie was and what the movie got right in a different way Mm -hmm. yeah by just telling a different story yeah Yeah. a different story but the theme yeah that thematically is still resonates and and i like that theme a lot i think and i think that's why this book stuck with me so much and and why it was a pivotal thing for me at the time like when i was going through tumultuous shit in my own life it was like oh like it really drove home that point for me you know as silly as it sounds with this ridiculous fucking book but you know yeah yeah, i completely get it but yeah i we even get a moment where wesley asks uh fox after they have this conversation if she killed his dad and she says no and she like she's like i know about the rumors but i would never hurt you know him of all people and it's and it feels like a real moment and you're like oh these are actual people (laughs) but of uh it's here we catch up with what happened to the bizarro guy uh he was captured by rectus's goons and the character from issue one sucker uh who is i I don't know if i mentioned it I, i said he was parasitic he's a parasite allegory from superman but um uh he has taken the powers uh, from the bizarro guy left him vulnerable and the Johnny two dicks dude beats sucker to death with the crowbar in a sad scene and sucker flies off with his power and, uh, kills, uh, the imp who was like, you know, the powerful dimensional guy from before who we saw in issue one, uh, Rictus at this point goes with a group to Dollmaster's house and Dollmaster calmly asks them to make it quick and not messy so his family won't be, you know, even more traumatized when they get back from being out of town. Rictus is in a huge dick and tells him they uh, already got his family earlier and he shows him pictures of his dead, you know, kids and wife. And so Dollmaster uh, sticks his dolls on them and Rictus has a great panel where these little dolls, like these boy dolls are just floating mm. at him and he goes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked that. <laughs> I, I was like, man, this is fucked up and it's sad, but like, I was like, that's, that's funny to like take the toy man fucking like gimmick, like really serious you know, and just be like, Oh fuck, what the fuck is this? But yeah, back at Wesley's, uh, he sees on TV that his picture is all over the news and he is wanted. Uh-oh. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they okay. they pull that a lot when they I feel like he kind of especially in the last issue, he kind of stuffs the word wanted in as many times as he can. <laughs> but, you know, it works well in that. I'm like, oh, yeah, he, okay. would, he yeah. would have to be wanted at some point in this story. But um, 
you know, yeah. So he's seeing like, you know, it, it, no, he's no longer under the fraternity's protection and they're letting his identity out and shit. And a shithead and a group of, uh, you know, other supervillain guys break in and they aim their guns on Wesley, telling him to drop the liquor bottle he's holding. Shithead explains that the professor is dead and Rictus has taken over. However, Wesley's phone rings, distracting them long enough for Fox to toss a gun to Wesley and he kills them all beside Shithead, like just immediately gets them all. And uh, they start to question him, but only really get more questions because Shithead even says that Rictus isn't the one who killed Wesley's dad. And, and they actually thought it was the professor who did it. They were like, they're like, no, nah. right. like, yeah, like he's like, he's like, we always thought it was them. It wasn't us. Like, and Wesley and Fox then bring out some bleach and they kill him with it because he's shit. <laughs> R.I.P. shithead. <laughs> Back at Dollmaster's house, uh, we see he was the one that was trying to call Wesley and warn him when his phone rang. But Rictus and what's left of his crew blow up his house, killing Dollmaster in the process. The issue then ends with Rictus teleporting to the professor's lab, hell-bent on using his superior technology to wreak havoc on the world. Uh, jump to issue five, which is called The Shit List. Uh, we see Fox and Wesley suited up and ready to fight back as the evil forces look for them. Uh, there's a scene where Rictus shows off his accomplishments to Adam-1 and ching Sang. Uh, he like calls them up from the professor's line, and uh, he's eating the professor's body. And rambling about how they won't be like, he's like, we're not going to be hidden any longer and stuff. And I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot he like ate the guy. Yeah, like, that was really uncalled for. He's like, he's like presented on a platter, like a, yeah. like a stuffed pig and stuff. It's really fucking weird. It's almost like every time it was like, what's the edgiest thing I can make this guy do? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's like South Park. Oh, yeah. He watched that episode of South Park where Cartman fed the kid his parents. <laughs> Yeah, and you're like, what the fuck? But yeah, like he even. Uh, I I thought this was kind of quaint and funny, but like, uh, like uh, Rictus uh, even shows them while he's on the call after he's like eaten fucking the professor and stuff. He shows them a, a death trap where he tied up the allegories in this world for Batman and Robin, who were actually Batman and Robin like before 1986 but since then they were kept alive and they think that they're just actors who portrayed batman and robin yeah. like in movies and shit uh but yeah he he has them tied up over a fucking death trap and he drops them into some water and they get are eaten by a giant octopus and it's like very silver age i guess you know <laughs> cool but uh the, the other leaders uh warn him about multiversal heroes but rick just doesn't give a shit and you know He's like, things are going to be different since he's in charge. And it's then just half of an issue of Wesley and Fox killing everybody as they make their way to the professor's base. Uh, they kill all the minor villains we saw through the book. Sucker probably being the most humorous death. Uh, all while Wesley's narration, you know, kind of just grows more confident. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought that the sucker death was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, they're just yeah, that where they're just um, he's just kind of floating in there and they're on top of that high building. Yeah, well, we should have mentioned the shtick with suckers powers is and he mentions this when he takes it from the mm -hmm. bizarro guy. But uh, he only takes the powers for a day, mm -hmm. like 24 hours. And so, yeah, he they find him and he flies up to him and he's like, you're fucked or whatever. And then like it, it, they're like, oh. 24 hours is up and he just fucking falls and yep. dies. Like, it's like, oh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. They, they get to the base uh, of the professor and they defeat all of Rictus's goons. Uh, 
when him and Wesley then come face to face, he tells Rictus he will give him one shot. Rictus shoots, but Wesley hits the bullet away with a knife and it goes right into Rictus's throat. Fucking Nemesis Reloaded, anybody. (laughs) (laughs) He does that same goddamn thing. I thought about that and I was like, he thought of that. I was like, oh, fuck, that has to be like a direct reference because because in that Wesley is his mentor. Like, I'm like, yeah, like, fuck, damn it, Mark. Don't make me think about your these dumb books. don't make me remember this shit. <laughs> i was like don't don't let me believe you actually did like research on your own stuff like you know, so, but yeah as rictus lies on the ground dying wesley says that he needs to know if he knows anything about who killed his dad and he doesn't care about the professor he doesn't care about the villain treaty he just needs to know about his dad Rick just tells him that it was Lee Harvey Oswald that <laughs> killed him, which is another kind of funny joke. I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, which that, obviously this just angers Wesley and prompts him to kill Rictus with his knife. Uh, right after he does that, though, we get one of my favorite tropes ever. A man from the shadows walks out. Just well, well, well. Yeah. Good job, Wesley. But we also got <laughs> once again dark knighted yeah that's true yeah (laughs) where somebody dies you think they're dead and then it's meant to be part of the plan exactly yeah all part of the plan all part of the plan i just love the fucking out of the shadows clap oh yeah that's that's one of my favorite tropes but uh and uh this person who we're talking about is fucking wesley's dad who congratulates him and says that he owes him an explanation as the issue ends so the final issue is titled dead or alive and I forgot to mention, there's a uh, four-page uh, flashback sequences drawn uh, and inked by fucking Dick Giordano, of all people, in this issue. That's who does the flashback panels. I forgot that, actually. Yeah, wow, comic book yeah. legend, Dick, Dick Giordano. Crazy. He he penciled and inked it. <laughs> that's, that's a weird get for Mark. I mean, like, he was huge at this time, but, like, it's just, like, that's no, kind of funny. I, <laughs> like, and, yeah, I think, no, I don't I think I understand it. I mean, um... At the time, for those of you who don't know, too, Dick Giordano, big fucking, mostly known for DC stuff, DC um, like, but like classic fucking artist. Like you know, he's he's just you've definitely seen his stuff if you've looked at old comic art. You know, yeah, what like was the, the the very tail end? Was the tail end of his stuff like the Jason Todd death? Or? Yes, yes, it, he was still doing work at that point. Yeah, at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's and it's and but that was towards the end of his his run. Mm-hmm. And then this comes around and he's still doing it and it still looks great. It does look really good. Now, granted, I will say it's not full pages. It's mixed in with Jones's stuff. Yeah. But like the panels look great. They really do. They look they look like classic Giordano stuff. And it really fits the aesthetic of uh, what what will become kind of the narrative of this issue, at least. But I'm so, yeah, uh, Wesley, you know, he freaks out. He's like, who the fuck are you? He's like, you might be a shape changer, blah, blah, blah. But Fox assures him that this is his dad, the original killer. And uh, they relocate to a restaurant to talk. And, uh, you know, the whole time Wesley is just baffled. Fox and Gibson explain that this was all an elaborate plan for Wesley. Uh, They even say that Fox identified the body so that everybody would believe that he was dead uh, because, you know, he wasn't. (laughs) So so they convinced him. Uh, But Gibson tells Wesley the truth about his life, how he met his mom at an old supervillain nightclub. Uh, They were passionate and loved each other, but she wanted them to kind of ditch the villainy and live off of, you know, the money and and rewards that they've already got. Um, Gibson didn't want to do that. And he wanted to go through with the plan to change the world that the villains had because this is before 1986. Um, He would still stop by to see Wesley secretly 
uh, whenever he was in town and stuff. And you could clearly tell that he cared about his son and stuff. He just was not there, um, you know, in, in his actual life. And he explains more of the supervillain plan and reveals that the machine that actually they built to rewrite reality was actually the Empire State Building. And it turned their world from like the colorful comic book landscape to the gritty real world that we live in, like J.G. Jones's art. Those those mm-hmm. panels that turn from the colorful Giordano like street to the J.G. Jones street. Really cool visual storytelling there. It's it's, <laughs> like it's actually so cool. Like it, <laughs> it in, in a way it, re, it it metaphors like the turn of the comic book ages really well. It goes from like the Bronze Age to like the mm-hmm. 2000s. Like it's like it, it's, it, it's, it's 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 like in, in to put it into terms, it's like going from, you know, like that 1966 Batman like to Watchmen in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's very much like that. It, it's kind of it's kind of cool. I, I like that depiction a lot in this. And uh, at this point, uh, uh, Gibson then recounts watching Wesley once secretly uh, when he saw him get into his first fight or confrontation, physical confrontation with another kid. Um, and uh, he was like watching him with like a fucking invisibility cloak on or some shit. And uh, uh, but Wesley, like, you know, gets jumped by this kid who's angry with him. And Wesley never fought back. And his mom praised him for it. Like she wanted him to be a pacifist, basically, because she knew that deep down, if he ever like sunk to violence, Wesley would become a killer like his dad. And uh, Gibson wanted to make, you know, right what he saw as his main mistake when he walked out on them. He has to show Wesley who he really was and let him flourish in his own fucked up way, basically. (laughs) And uh, uh, they visit the grave of Wesley's mom. And Gibson talks about how much he loved her. And Wesley, just like the, you know, conversation with the professor, uh, he hugs his dad as the memories of him visiting secretly came flooding back to him after he hears it. Like it's another secret kind of thing unlocked in his head. Um, however, it's here that Fox asks what gun Gibson wants and Wesley is like, what? And uh, his true intentions are revealed. Gibson knows that he is going to die one day. He's getting old, uh, you know, getting slower. He doesn't want like some punk upstart to be the one who ends him, you know, some no name person. And uh, he wants it to be his own flesh and blood, his son, Wesley. Wesley is not down with this, obviously. So Gibson tells him like, you know, hey, like, you know, none of this deal works. You go back to your normal life if, if you don't do this. This is the last step. Uh, you know, the money, the get up, everything. It's all dependent on this moment. And he tells Wesley to not be so sentimental. And they each say that they love each other. And Wesley pulls the trigger, killing his dad and cementing his legacy. Uh, Wesley then messes with Fox for two pages, pretending that he doesn't want this life, but he does. Really yeah. weird. <laughs> like it's like- Yeah, and, and that's... that's- I mean, it's not the specific turning point, but, you know, like at the end of the movie, McAvoy goes on like a revenge spree against the fraternity. Yeah, and that's his motivation. And like, he'll still continue the life, but he'll be more of like the gray area. Good guy. Mm-hmm. And like here, it's just total like, nah, fuck this. I got the taste for it. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, this is this is my life. Yeah, it's like and, uh, Fox says, you know, she's like, we got a meeting soon and they've been promoted to being two of the five heads of the fraternity at this point, which we have seen in big game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are indeed that. Uh, and uh, they go off in a helicopter, certain that the mess will all be cleaned up by tomorrow. Then the book ends with Wesley rambling directly to us, the audience, basically saying we are pathetic slaves like he was at the beginning of this story and how even this comic book was just a 15 minute respite from our shitty lives. It then ends with a full page splash of his face screaming and saying, but now you know better, right? Now you know what happened to the superheroes and you know the funny thing. You know what makes me laugh now that I'm on the other side? You're just going to close this book and buy something else to fill that big empty void we've created in your life. This is my face while I'm fucking you in the ass. And that is the end 
of Wanted. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so this book, overall thoughts, I'm not sure if Miller thinks, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if Miller thinks any of this is cool. Like it just, it goes so far. And I know we talked about this in Nemesis, but like, I think sort of what you were leading on to David, his thinking was doing a power fantasy for what he thinks people might relate to. Not necessarily that he thinks like or relates to, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, I don't know. Like it's just, it, it also like we, like I was kind of saying a bunch of times, like it does the Mark Miller thing where he takes a pretty interesting concept, but by about halfway through it loses focus and just becomes kind of shock value nonsense for a while. Um, I won't lie though. Like some of the moments, uh, especially like, you know, in issue four, I think it was that conversation between Fox and Wesley, like it starts to save it for me. And then I'm reminded by like some of the other dialogue, like how much of a hurdle that he made this for me <laughs> in this book, you know, like it, 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 all in all for me, extremely similar to my thoughts on the, and, and opinions on the original nemesis. Uh, but I do think that this book has more interesting stuff going for it compared to Nemesis. How do, how do you feel? About, about you know, overall? like, God, like what, more than 20 years later or 20 years later, it's just sort of like, yeah, I, I like it's strange. I like it's apparent that I, I like Mark as a writer mm-hmm. and a storyteller, but he he's a guy who clearly benefits from a strong editing hand when there are people to reel in like the like make keep the big ideas um big enough to be interesting but not so big that they are out of touch with the readership so that's i think that's what he gets when doing stuff in in the big two yeah i i do i i will say from reading his more modern stuff Mm -hmm. i think he is better at that now and, and as he should be, as he it's should 20 be. years, From 20 along. years later. But like at this point in time, 100 percent agree. Like he 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 needed some kind of guiding hand at a point, you know, like to to get like, you know, stuff across and in the most effective way possible, like that's palatable, because like as we've seen with like this and Nemesis, it's like, I mean, again, I don't think that this is as like just such a fucking turnoff like nemesis was you know for me like we're at where with nemesis i was kind of like i was like man like it's just like like i think we even talked about we're like you're like you can't like say that you like this book and be like a normal person at this point and then, <laughs> like it's like it's like you know this one i i feel like there's a lot more redeeming stuff or, or interesting ideas in but, but i do think that yeah. this one this one has less parts like Nemesis, the original Nemesis had a lot of parts that did not age well. Yeah. This has less parts that did not age well, but yes, they are. But there are still some. So <laughs> they are so thorned out there, though. Like the well, for it's instance, like a fucking tug of war in this book. For, kind for of. instance, like, when the when, you know, the the old man's talking about his sexual tendencies mm-hmm, in the beginning. Yeah. And it's just you're right. Like nobody would speak like that in this day. <laughs> yeah. I don't really remember anybody in 2003 talking like that about, you know, their sexual tendencies. And it just hammers home how how dated he makes all of his books back then. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely feels like of a, of a place in time. Um, I wanted to ask you, I think that the most, um, you know, just just being that we've mentioned the movie a few times, but the biggest change that the movie takes is that it just nixes all of the comic book allegory stuff. And so that's kind of like the biggest element to the story that I well, think most people don't know. 
So what year did the boys start? 2004, right? Yeah, two, oh, yeah 2004. 2004, around yeah. So I think here you have... You have, you know, Europe, European writers who were really trying to one up each other with, you know, oh, how much fun can I poke? I can I can poke more fun at Superman and Batman than you can kind of thing. Yeah. And so I Miller, I think in the process of writing this book, did Red Sun like like in between yeah. this one like yeah. finishing so like i mean he had legit worked on superman at this point like you know well i mean <laughs> so so i mean miller also did and, and you know nobody read this uh probably but me so there will i i, I want to say it's him i like 99 percent certain it's him. so there was a young blood like revamp that only lasted literally like one issue uh-huh. that he did for Liefeld's Ex- extreme or whatever the studio was called at the time where the beginning is like the i don't know it's like the brigade or young blood characters literally getting like hot tub bjs from <laughs> uh fuck? from like guys dressed in x-men costume literal x-men costumes like cyclops and wolverine that sounds like mark miller thing yeah, yeah. where it's like a mark <laughs> miller and rob liefeld teaming up to like poke fun at marvel who they hated at the time yeah yeah and it's like all those kind of like poke fun at this kind of things felt like such a competition back then mm-hmm. i didn't really like so i so so you saw it as more of like kind of a gag thing. It, it's a gag but it's something that when you're making a movie about something like this that will not translate to the audience you're trying to reach no it wouldn't it's be so much of an inside baseball joke it's too specific that you're cutting out like a lot of the people that you can sell this movie to so i don't i i think in i actually think in taking that stuff out it allowed itself to kind of give more emphasis on the, the theme that the, the character to journey hammer, and trying stuff. to hand to hammer home it may not have like stuck the landing the way it should have but i think that was the right choice i think it makes the book the book and the good parts of the book the book and the movie the movie and the good parts of the movie the movie so for me like i think when i think of the superhero allegory elements uh in this book i kind of view them as like yeah some of it like obviously like the character's in and of themselves, some of them are just straight up jokes. They're gags, oh, yeah. you know, but like, I do think like the idea of like, oh, like 1986, like it changes and the villains won and like killed off. And, and it's obviously so rooted in like Miller. Miller loves DC shit. Like he, he like he said it before, like even in an interview of as early as last year, his goal always was to write Superman. Like, that's what he wanted to do. Like, you know, <laughs> that was his that was his favorite thing. And he wanted to do it. And you could tell he has a lot of reverence for Superman and, and those characters and stuff, you know, and and uh, and obviously these all being DC allegories for the most part. Um, I feel like it's it's a bit more sincere than like just a total gag, you know, like it it is like a, a an element that when I think of it in this book, I'm like, that's a that's a positive side for me. Um, I think that it's it was unique at the time. It surprised me a lot. Having been a person who had only seen the movie previously, I was like, Oh, this is like DC shit. Like, I was like, that's cool. Like, you know, I, I I like that. And, um, you know, it just, it's, it's an interesting plot, but it does, it is one of those things I will say it, it only really works in comics and that's fine. Uh, but you know, it's, you know, movie aside and all that shit. Like I like the, the superhero allegory elements. I think that they're fun. Um, even though, you know, a lot of them are just like immature jokes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, like, so we went through this. So even if the boys as a book existed in 2000, you cannot make that show until 
2018 oh, whenever yeah. it came out yeah. because it took 20 years of comic book movies to get good enough to be comic book movies but so much so but so oversaturated and that now the audience has been exposed to it enough that they'll get that the point of the boys is to make fun of all those movies that you've seen. Yeah. Yeah, That's an interesting aspect too, to say like if they made wanted now, they would definitely have the superhero shit in there. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. Like it might not be the same exact as the book, but they would definitely fucking incorporate it. It would be a superhero movie. Like if if anything. (laughs) Yeah. And it would be kind of like how, so, you know, like how Deadpool's first movie kind of like, got away with R rating and comedy and like comic book, you know, tropes and things like that along that sense. Like, yeah, you do this now, you can get away with that. I think if, if they, I think they would actually have a really big hit of a movie if they did wanted now, but they did, but they did the superhero stuff, but kept the more McAvoy style character where he's an actual redeemable character (laughs) as opposed to obviously in the book. What if you did like the like i don't know i guess i guess you would call it i you'd call it something different but like the nemesis to big game kind of thing where you know after 20 years you go through you go through like this whole movie about like some guy murdering people and like creative fun you you do the nemesis movie all the way to get to the end of like the reveal of like the post credit scene tw- is fucking James McAvoy, yeah 20 years later like actually like coming out of professor x's wheelchair and like you know fucking kicking it to the ground and shit i'd be the one guy in the back of the fucking theaters you yeah. <laughs> i'd be the, I'd, you'd be the person explaining thanos to the one person <laughs> oh yeah no i yeah there's there's a lot of interesting elements to this book that i i, I don't know like i said i've it's kind of, I'm, I'm leaning on the side of it's kind of a tug of war like it reading is. it again, you know, more so than Nemesis, which was like just totally like falling off one and, side. And you have such an you have such an emotional connection to a time in your life, you know, reading this specifically. So to I go still ba- feel that when I read those scenes that resonate like that's why I pointed out that Fox and, mm-hmm. and Wesley scene where they're talking and it's like, oh, this is this is what I think of when I think yeah. of this book, you know, <laughs> even though it's like this small moment. It meant a lot to me, you know, at the time, like. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think in that way it still resonates with me, but looking at it as a whole, it's like, eh, you're teetering, <laughs> I don't know, you know, it's a, I don't know. It, it's it, And again, it's the same with nemesis where it's like, it's just the, it's just the way it's presented. You know, it's like the, I mean, we'll talk about JG Jones real quick, but like, um, uh, I think. I think on the Nemesis episode, you said something about how you're like, that J.G. Jones artwork is never going to not hold up. And I agree. It looks great. Um, if anything, I, I keep comparing him to Hitch now. And I really like that. <laughs> and like and, and I'm like, oh, this is, you know, it's it's Hitch, but not not on such a widescreen level. That yeah. He's trying Because Brian Hitch is, is a great artist. You know, if you've read if you've seen if you've seen Red Ultimates you, or the authority you, or the authority, or you, like you know, like how massive scale and cinematic he tries to go with things. Mm-hmm. J.G. Uh, Jones has that same, it, it has a, a similar, it, it has a similar aesthetic to it. And, and, and sometimes and, he'll go really cinematic and he's got a very similar nuance, but his stuff is always more, his stuff always feels more intimate for superhero stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I think, I think his work is great. I hate to like blanket statement and move it on from JG Jones, but I, it's just good. Like it's, it's, it's great. really good. Like, like it, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's the one part of the, it, not the one part, but the big part of this book that holds up 
uh, visually is just his design stuff on this. Like like when we were talking about the suit, you know, we didn't like look at it and go like, huh, that was so stupid back then. How can anybody like or like now that would be so stupid? Like, no, really, like that suit belongs in any time. It does. Yeah. Kind of like it It does give itself a sort of a, a little time stamp of a transition period. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, this is like is, you know, that is what the X-Men look like in 2000 and that 2000 movie. Mm-hmm. That's what mo- that's kind of look comics went into later on. And even after this, with every character getting some kind of design that made them feel more grounded in reality. Yeah. It will. And that aesthetic actually fits really well, you know, to go deeper into it, like that aesthetic fits really well with that character in this story. Totally. Because he's the one that's like, different in the focal like uh, like compared to like all these other characters which are more more or less like redesigns of you know your classic dc characters like maybe just with a bit more edge you know to them but like you know it fits that he looks so different from the rest of them you know like and and is kind of like from a different era almost you know but like but a timeless era like you were saying where it's like it doesn't it's not aged badly you know if i had if i had a nitpick at something though the one thing I, I think I don't the one thing I, I think I don't like visually is the modeling of the main characters of the story. Not that, oh, you shouldn't. Oh, these characters are, are you know, any any way ugly or anything in a sense. It's more of modeling them after real world people. So like Eminem, Halle Berry, it takes me out of the story in a sense. Dependent on the panel. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was really easy to get. It was really easy to get hung up on certain things that I should not have gotten hung up on. Yeah, yeah. I recall that a, a, a couple of times. I think it's both in the last issue. There's some close-ups on Fox, like just her face, like mm-hmm. facing it in the panel. And I'm like, I'm like, she doesn't look the same, but it's definitely like modeled still from Halle Berry, you know, oh, like yeah. that type of thing. And like, and I'm like, it's just like a weird shot. And I'm like, that, that just feels weird. It takes and, me out a little bit. And so to somebody listening who's never read Wanted or, you know, seen these characters, you know, this isn't a stereotype of, um, oh, like, well, you, know, you think all characters look the same. No, you go and you look at this and you should see like, no, that is how distinctly Halle Berry, short haired, you know, <laughs> yeah. monster, you know, 007, 007, <laughs> Gothica kind of. <laughs> yeah. Um, it kind of, it, it's that it's that character visually mm-hmm. to where, you know, because she always comes off, you know, in a lot of her movies, she comes off as a badass because of the performance. And that's kind of, I think, visually what they were trying to kind of steal from it. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, that cheats it in a little bit. And I don't really I, like I don't like that. Like it could have been any you can make these characters any race, any nationality, and they would still work. There's no there's not really much of a of a, of a stamp in that way. Mm-hmm. It's just visually they took this to kind of elicit a reaction or to try to get an emotional tie from the audience. And it sometimes it it never, it doesn't, it doesn't help it. It doesn't always hurt it, but sometimes it makes it easy to kind of get lost in, in the story. And I don't really, and I didn't really care that much about that. These characters look like these famous people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, just to say on, on JG Jones, I mean, like, um, 
I do think that the art holds up quite a bit. Um, it's, 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 there's some really great sequences, some cool stuff in there. And I mean, like it was, it was a pleasure to revisit it in that aspect. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, shit, I, I bought the JG Jones variant for big game number one. So (laughs) the one with Fox on the cover and I was like, cool, I'll I'll take that. (laughs) But yeah. Um, so, uh, I don't have much more for you, but I did want to ask you something a little bit specific that sort of pertains to the modern day uh, with Big Game and um, Miller's work uh, up to this point in time in 2023. Uh, is this book to you more interesting now that he has tried to connect all of his work? That he's gone it? back and, and connected yeah. it? It sort of is just because I noticed like a couple of moments. Like I said that I know I made it a joke when we did the breakdown, but it, him him giving rictus the chance to shoot at him and then him blocking the it knife, with yeah. the knife and then it going back at him literally from nemesis reloaded i thought that that makes me appreciate that as a callback now like i'm like that's kind of neat so like but, so do you, but that so here's here's a question then do you think that he wrote this 20 years ago with the idea of someday hell I'm no. going to really <laughs> hell uh, okay. no so you so I, you think he went back and read this book again when how many people on earth create things go back and look at them themselves and aren't like what the fuck was i thinking here <laughs> he went back and did that and more he it's it's almost a little bit it's 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 a little bit masturbatory for him to go back <laughs> and look at this stuff and go like man i did this so cool i'm going to take this but i don't think he feels that way i mean i mean he he read he did nemesis reloaded because he went back and was like yeah that didn't turn out great <laughs> Like he was, no, no, I agree. I completely agree with that. I think he is self aware enough to be like, I need to update this stuff. Like, if I want to go back to some of these ideas, because uh, funny enough, with how many titles Mark has, he doesn't go back to a lot of his stuff. No, there's no Chrononauts 2. There's no, um, there's no Huck 2. No, there's very few things get they all say volume one, though. Yeah, (laughs) now (laughs) they get they, they, some of them do get continuous volumes like Jupiter's Legacy. You got a lot of magic orders, one he's been consistent with. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, he. He doesn't go back like incredibly often. And I I used to think that that was kind of because um, he said it a million times. But like, uh, you know, the artists that he works with, like they make so much money working with his shit. Like, I mean, like like that's why, like, you know, whenever you see an artist doing that and you're like, oh, that's it's kind of an odd pick. And you're, I'm always just like, I'm happy that I'm like, they're getting a payday. Like, even if the book isn't like up my alley, I'm like, they're, they're getting paid. That's awesome. Because like, but he said openly a ton of times, especially when I was researching for the ambassadors, uh, like a lot of those artists were retired mm-hmm. based on stuff that they did with him like 20 years ago or something, you know, because they just, they're like, Oh, I made enough, you know, <laughs> or whatever. And like, it, it's a, uh, yeah. I, I mean, like they, they make, they make big bank. On, on these books with Mark. And uh, so I always thought like, oh, they just don't want to do more because they don't need to, you know, <laughs> or something like. But it's like some of these random projects he does go back to. And so it's interesting for him to be like, you know what? No, we're going to put them all together. We're going to cross them over and I'm going to retcon that all this shit is actually connected somehow. Like, you know, like it's a it, I, but I, I don't for a second believe that he wrote this and was like, one day I'm going to do this big thing. Like, I no, I, I don't. I, I to, to, to be clear, I do not think that either. But it is funny to think of Mark because you have to 
Yes, you're, you're absolutely right. And in, in that, yeah, he went and did Nemesis Reloaded because he got something. He missed an opportunity and got something inherently wrong. He fixed it and it came it came out a hundred times better. Yeah. If you haven't listened to that episode, we did like that book, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like and so but from what he took in this series through through those like teasers in Nemesis Reloaded to get to connecting everything, he had to have looked at a lot of wanted and go like, I like that. I'm going to use. Oh, the, oh, this is good. This was a good part. Yeah. And that's it's a little. And, and, and to his credit, he didn't take the the questionable character racist stuff. As and, as, as as far as we know right now, in terms of where big game is at, mm-hmm. again, it's not done at the time of this recording, only halfway through. But. I'm not even convinced that in big game, we're getting the same wanted characters like from the original book, sort of like a nemesis reloaded. thing. So, so you don't think we're going to see shithead? I mean, I I mean, I mean, he did die in this story. Like, so, I mean, it, it's like, I don't know, but I mean, that that means it could be possible. But, I mean, like, but but yes, but in terms of just the alleg- the the gag allegory. Yeah, he doesn't seem like I mean, we're three issues in. He doesn't seem like he's going that way with them. But again, you know, slight spoilers. We really haven't seen much of the fraternity. Like, or, or we haven't seen the whole picture of the fraternity. Yeah, no. we haven't. We haven't seen what the big deal is. And but like, in, in but in in a way, and Wesley doesn't. Nemesis fought already. <laughs> something of allegory characters when he's, you know, going through the, the cave and fighting mm-hmm. the, uh, the sorcerer lady with the, yeah. Yeah. I mean like, yeah, I just, um, I don't know what, what the extent is going to be that it will actually be really connected to wanted. It's clearly the wanted characters. And as far as we know, continuity wise, we haven't seen anybody who was dead in this book that has come back. We've really only recognizably we've seen Fox and Wesley. That's about mm-hmm. it. And and all their goons, you know, <laughs> like it. But like it's um, I don't know. I, I almost would rather him do the Nemesis Reloaded and just do like better versions of these characters. <laughs> but like, you know, but that also kind of defeats the purpose of like, you know, sequelizing Wanted like in this way. Like, so so in the, so, you know, it's a crossroads point of is this a sequel to Wanted or is this me? you know, re let's say remaking wanted in the image that I want today. Mm -hmm. I think he's referred to it as a sequel. So like, that's, what's always had that in my mind. Like, okay, well, well this happened then, you know, (laughs) like it's like, (laughs) but, but he also, you know, smartly mind you has not brought up a lot of the controversial elements of the original wanted story. All he's really said is laid the groundwork by saying like, okay, the fraternity's still around. It's Wesley's older. Fox is older. Uh, the 1986 thing happened. There used to be superheroes. Now they're popping up. Now they want to kill all the other Mark Miller creations. That's about it. <laughs> like, you know, it's, uh, and, and I like that, but I do want to know more about what happened with these characters and, and more stuff about them, you know, to see like, what what's what makes it a sequel to Wanted other than them just being like the he's in the suit and yeah. he's the fraternity <laughs> yeah no I, I like, get it and yeah you're hundred percent right I there's so much I don't know how you're gonna do it in like <laughs> was because Big Game is five issues yeah and we're we're three in yeah so you have four and five left to not only get and then this is spo- not major spoilers but. So we've seen everybody who's died in that, but we've seen the characters that are still supposed to be the ones that are that are going to have the fight at the end. Yes. So how do you get, you know, in two issues, 
how do you set up you you've got the stakes already but how do you set up the eventual turning point when every when everything is so in that point of hopelessness right now mm-hmm. and in two you have only two issues to do this with to do that properly and bring in a lot of these like these characters that we want to see yeah because there's still quite a few we haven't seen yeah actually too. i don't i that's going to be interesting to see like if we get them or if they're sacrificed to kind of just yeah serve, just like a one yeah. panel thing or something yeah yeah i don't know um a lot of those are going to be answered obviously when we do big game on the show but uh yeah just just something to ponder i just said uh, when that was kind of in the back of my head when reading this was i was like i was like i am viewing this more as like a foundational thing now knowing like that it's all led to this is his iron man yeah yeah it's like it's i mean like or that's what he wants you to that's what he wants (laughs) you to kind of view it as um and and i don't know you know if it sort of works in that aspect because I, I still stand by, I think the concept of like superheroes, supervillains used to be real villains. won they wiped everyone's mind. I like that idea. I think it's neat, you know, (laughs) like, and, uh, and, and you can do, that's a perfect catalyst for what he wants to do with big game, like going, you know, into Mm -hmm. like putting all these things together. That's a, that's a good idea. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I just think it's interesting to, you know, he's putting it in that light now where it's like, oh, this is the the founding block, you know, and it's it, this this all also tells me that the biggest thing Mark Mark Miller needs help with is titles. <laughs> yeah. Wanted ne- nemesis. I like wanted as a title. I don't like wanted as a title. I don't like I, we, I heard he made fun of big game. On the I don't big game. Episodes, but. but like so it, so it's, it's so it's sorry. It's it's crammed in here. You know, when you know, he's on the run and, oh, he's on TV for being, oh, oh wanted. Yeah. And, he's wanted for about three pages. Yeah. Yes. And, <laughs> and then, you know, ne- Nemesis is like, we say the name of the book in this thing. And big, it was way cooler in Nemesis Reloaded. Big Game, ha- <laughs> big game hasn't like said, well, hasn't said big game outright to anything. They haven't, I'm waiting for the moment. They haven't put, they, you know, they haven't put all the superheroes on the island to be hunted, you know, where they're, they're it's out. Gonna be hit they're out. going to go who's going to win this and then she turns to the camera big game yeah <laughs> they haven't done that moment yet and i'm I'm dreading it when i eventually see it i'm waiting for it oh no i hope it baits us into another into big game two bigger game <laughs> <laughs> we'll see but yeah man i don't know i didn't have much more on this one really um we went about as in depth as I wanted to really, uh, you know, with this one being like a significant book for me. And I've had this on my list ever since I started this show. I was really? like, I gotta, I gotta do wanted. I have to revisit it at some point. Well, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that I, I could do this with you since you, uh, you know, you didn't listen to the audience and put me as your 50th episode, <gasps> which, you know, I, I'm sure everybody write in and tell them how big of a mistake that was. How I, arguably, <laughs> The, um, you know, the, let's, let's, let's just say it, um, <laughs> the, the kingmaker here, but no, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. That sounded so bombast, but, no, bombast, but, um, no, I, I think there is a part of me that, that is cheese that I have done so much, uh, work for, to push this industry and on a milestone, I was not, you know, I wasn't even in your top five. To do this. Oh, whatever. <laughs> like, That's, That's what I tell everybody. I'm you would like, be the fifth you know spot. what? You know what? Uh, fucking Nick just went and did that. He's so big and full of himself now. And well, I'm you good. went and moved. I couldn't get you. 
There's Zoom, I guess. I, That's true. We could have done. We could have. <laughs> <laughs> next time, next time you'll be on. You'll be on. Uh, it's the next one. It'll be seventy-five. Seventy-five. Yeah, All seventy-five. Right. That'll be where they kill Superman. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that, oh actually, that would be a good one. Would, oh, yeah. Hey, yeah, all right. <laughs> that would be a good one for 75, yeah. Well, there's not much to talk. I mean, there's a lot of narration in that. Be, It'd be but, a good celebratory, like, even just to do the issue or something. Yeah, you know, I, mean, like, I, mean, like, I mean, the issue is all splash pages. Yeah. So it's, it's, it should be the shortest one you ever do. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It would be fun, though. I think it would. would I think it would be fun, too, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess, um, so I, I've got anything else, but it's, uh, you know, it, it wanted polar drop for you, David. You know, this is a cop out answer, but it really depends on your taste in reading. If you like gritty, edgy stuff, then yeah, I would say I would say this is a definite pull. I'd say just be mindful that it's from that era. You know, no, I don't, like, I don't, it's even, like I don't it, even think you have to be mindful of it. Just in the sense of if you're a person who um, who digs shock value and grittiness. Oh, well, Mark Miller's your guy <laughs> in general, but, uh, but yeah, especially for this, it really does it for, for, ex, for the era's extreme edginess, pushing boundaries. Um, let's, let's just call it the dark MTV age. You know, there's a lot of stuff in here that's still enjoyable, even if it, even if it does the borderline of, of going on cringiness. Yeah. But there are. If you are not, if that is not, you know, something you're ever impressed by or you don't care about it in general and you want something deep and that's kind of more timeless and does more traditional. This is definitely not the book. for you. Yeah, I do think that comparative to some of the other Miller stuff, um, especially like I said, I keep referencing Nemesis, the first Nemesis, because that's the the most prominent example on this show that we've covered. But um, uh, it has more nuggets of like characterization narrative flow ideas like themes and stuff than than like a book like that you know like there is stuff to hold on to like if you even if you don't like the edgy stuff necessarily like there there are elements that i'm like this is pretty good like you know even by like you know today's standards and whatnot but even so even after this really this is the first thing that I, I truly think that Mark did with that level of subtext to it. Even if the execution um, buried that subtext, like mm-hmm. we were talking about the whole idea of take back your life, take control kind of thing. Yeah. Is a great it's it's a great subtext baseline to create any a lot of story from. But the execution tends to overshadow that. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we and we've talked about that before about him, at least like in in this period of his work, at least. Um, uh, you you definitely find a lot more of a refined version nowadays, and even shortly after this, honestly, like I mean, <laughs> like in in a, in a lot of ways. But um, but yeah, I just uh, you know, yeah, I'm kind of with you on there. It's a, it's a cop out answer, but I'm 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 in between. Like I said, this book's kind of a tug of war. So it's not not like, to get into like <laughs> you know a full on other other book here, but so w- was wanted before kick-ass yes so because kick-ass originally was from that icon marvel Mm -hmm. right yeah so yeah i think you're i think you're right then um so and and that was that was shortly after wanted i think in that era yes yeah it was it was i think and it might have been the book that he did right after (laughs) and kick-ass kind of had the same underlying theme to it of just in a different way of this kid's life is so, you know, his escape for the mundane things and 
to the things that he hates about his life mm-hmm. is becoming a superhero. It's the opposite of, of this in that sense. Yeah. But it is that same thematic. It has that same thematic underline. And I, I think it's, it's crazy that his, I would say his, his best stuff is sort of about that, that idea in general. Huck has, has a similar um, idea to it. And I, I could, if I really thought about it, I could probably think about two or three more other good stories that he did that share that same, t- you know, you are in control of your life at the end. Yeah. Control. Well, uh, reborn with uh, Capullo right. is, yeah. is like that. Yeah. It's a, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a theme that he goes back to. And I think when he focuses in on it, he does it really well. Yeah. Um, that's, that's just a good, I mean, that's just a, like we were saying is, is a good theme in general. Like, you know, but like, um, but, even, even sort of, um, nemesis, the the second nemesis was that way instead of being just some rich dude who was doing this for kicks. Yeah, which he had was, a purpose. Was a pointless story. His purpose, in a sense, was like, or was his his life was so like the cards were dealt really badly and then into a messed up situation. And he, yeah, in the same way, he has to make the choice of taking back his life. It's just for the wrong reasons. Yeah. But it's the same thematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good through line in his work. I think that I I appreciate like when it shows up, it usually resonates with me at least like. What do you, you think know. happened in his life? He has this like constant well, need to tell that kind of story. Well, I mean, I think that that's something that like, I mean, everybody goes through. Right? I, I think, I mean, in, you know, in, it's in like, a sense. Yeah. Yes. I mean, like, you know, it's it's like. There's always going to be a point in your life when it's like you don't feel like, you know, you have control. You're letting like things kind of just mm-hmm. go around you and and you have to come to that realization. And, and it doesn't really matter like what phase of your life you're in. It can happen on a big scale or a small scale. Like but, you know, that resonates with people because it's something that we all go through sometimes, at least to an extent, like because it doesn't even just have to be about like, you know, oh, you know, I work a shitty job and now I'm going to like, you know, either uh go learn a new trade or figure something out and change my surroundings or whatever. Like it doesn't even have to be something that big. It could be something small as well. You know, no, it, it, like, could, <laughs> it could be a lot of things in your life. Um, it could be from, from your job and your situation to, you know, the relationships, relationships, and, you know, the vices yeah. that are controlling your life. Yeah. It's, there's so many different ways to incorporate that, that meaning to it. But, you know, he constantly comes to this and he's always constantly, sharpening that point with something new to say about it as though he never got through something in his own life yeah he has to keep doing this and you know. or maybe he just finds that that's how he ends up dealing with different things like as they approach his life i mean like because you know reborn's a good example because that book is kind of about like dealing with death mm-hmm. and like and it, but it's also about that idea of like you know not having regrets and kind of like living your life like how you want and uh it's it's done through a, a kind of a fantastical like you know kind of adventure story but like it's uh yeah i don't know i mean like i think it, i think it's just something he probably realizes keeps coming back to him <laughs> where where it's like it's like oh like you know this this taught me this again like type of thing and and uh, but i can say it in a different way or through a different story this time or whatever and I don't know. Like I said, I mean, it's a, I mean, hell, even look at someone like Jeff Lemire. I mean, like, you know, he constantly kind of like, he has like his own tropes, you know, in terms of what he writes and like thematically, it's always kind of 
a set of things, you know, not always the same thing, but like, you know, he does like to work in this realm, but it's like, but he's constantly finding new ways to talk about it and approach it. And, uh, I don't know. I kind of like that. Cause you know, I mean, people have like their own hangups and like, you know, some things we do just kind of deal with for the rest of our lives, like, you know, and learn how to, you know, adapt the best we can. Yeah. And I, I think there's only two, like really two big schools of, of writers. I remember talking to Steve Niles in San Diego, you know, when I was doing journalism, um, you know, years ago and he was writing like a, a golem miniseries for, I think it was dark horse at the time. And so much of it was about the relationship about this, this kid and his grandfather. And, um, you know, when we were talking, you know, asked him, you know, what, how much of this like was your life and your relationship? He was, and he said, no, it was really more about what I didn't have because, and he said, yeah, you know, most writers will write about, you know, what they know to play to their strengths. I tend to write more about the things that I don't know that I wish I knew. Yeah. And it's, it knows a powerful way of looking at the opposite side of storytelling. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just some cool stuff. And, you know, when you get to the heart of like, stuff like this you know even like a writer like i said we might we might knock on some of his stuff a lot like mark miller but like you know this is why like you know he keeps getting to do what he does and why he's like a revered why netflix person. gave him yeah. a big you know <laughs> like you know big freaking check because he he does at the end of the day write stuff that at its core really resonates like with yeah. people you know and and i think more power to him for that because a lot of it did for me and, and, and some of his newer stuff still continues to. So, you know, I, yeah. So if, if, <laughs> so in my, my last question for you, so we haven't seen him write a Marvel or DC book since what that Wolverine run yeah, old man Logan. I think that was the last thing he did. I think that was the last thing yeah. he did now with everything that he's done and let's call it the Miller verse who would you want to see him go back and write again again or like someone that or someone any anything from the big two that he you'd want to see him do i'd want to see him back at marvel but i don't know if the current landscape if there really is like a place for him to have the same role he used to have well but let's say he's kind of spearheading but but let's let's say they gave him the just a character let's say they gave him the claremont deal of you know you're so popular we're going to do whatever book you want. We're just going to say like, we're just going to say, we don't know if it's in continuity yet. It's just something that it's a story that he wants to tell. Yeah. Who would you have him write? Uh, Captain America would be fun. Really? <laughs> I think, I think he would, I think he'd have a unique uh, take, mm. you know I mean? Like, cause we, we saw his ultimate cap for years, you know, um, uh, in the original two miniseries at least. And uh, ultimate cap, to me beyond the ultimates and, you know, say what you will about the ultimate interpretation of captain America. I thought it was interesting and kind of fun. Um, I didn't necessarily like him as a character, but I don't think you were supposed to (laughs) a lot of the time. Uh, but like, I would like to see him write captain America, um, proper, like in the Marvel universe, Steve Rogers, main six, one, six, Steve Rogers, mostly because, you know, a lot of people compare like the morality and kind of, um, style of storytelling of captain america to superman and because mark is such a big superman guy Mm -hmm. and i think that he writes superman very well i would like to see him do cap yeah okay what about you okay you have someone in mind i do actually and i'm i'm (laughs) i'm glad you asked me that (laughs) um but i i so you know in talk in talking and thinking about the themes and the things that we think he puts his characters through so much of his best stories are about like the reclamation of your life from whatever you deem 
um, whatever you need it to be reclaimed from. So I really think that there's no character who needed it more or who has who's always put through more of a downward spiral in his life than Tony Stark. Oh, I, Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. So, I mean, and, and not only just from like the alcoholism kind of standpoint, I liked ultimate Tony Stark too. And ultimate Tony Stark yeah. was a great character. <laughs> and you know, the whole thing, you know, there'll be a time where he'll lose his company. He'll, you know, he'll be ousted from his community or he will mess up in some way that it it's, it's, it's always, it, his screw ups always come from the things about his life that never fully get reclaimed. So yeah. I think Mark Mark Miller as a storyteller would be able to do a definitive version of like if you did it with like the ultimate version of Iron Man even like the demon and bottle kind of thing. Mhm. I think that would be really interesting. Yeah. I always write off Iron Man because I I've said it before. We're all sick of Iron Man at this point. Well, I've said it on this podcast before, but like if I had to say like a be all end all, like Iron Man is like my original favorite superhero. Mm -hmm. You know, I've I've always I've always loved him. And uh, uh, the last probably 10, 12 years of reading comics, uh, I uh, I have not been able to stand a modern Iron Man run. Like the last one that I kind of liked was Fractions. And like and ever since then, it has just not been what i've wanted or or and i don't i don't think in my head that anybody can write a new iron man run and me be like on board with it at the, this point the, yeah i i, I <laughs> no I, I i agree and and i don't really you know iron iron man will never be on my list of favorite characters i i understand that character at its core and who it's it like appeals. one of the, that's one of the few characters that i think i actually i have a bias with like, you know, in being like, I try to always say like, oh, I don't really care, especially in superhero mainstream comics. I'm always like, I don't care about the who the character is. I, I want to see what this creative team does with this. It's like I don't get a too super attached to characters. Iron Man is a character that I feel like I am somewhat attached to. Like, and, you know? <laughs> that's, and that's valid. I mean, that's the, that's the business. The business is made up of liking all these different characters yeah, by different yeah. people. But in, in a sense, you know, Iron Man will never be on my top list of characters. It's just it's not for me. And I but I get the character and at its core and what it can be. And you're right. Like, it's really who's steering the ship that defines how good something will be. in the end. Yeah, I think Mark's take on Iron Man would be really interesting to read. I, I would actually. Yeah, that's a really good one for him, I think. I think and I think the last Iron Man run that I was even remotely interested in was Warren Ellis, I think. Yeah, the, the extremist stuff yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah, that was good stuff. Oh, man. What a time to be alive. Yeah, what a time to be alive. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we can wrap her on up here. Um, thanks for uh, listening, everybody. Uh, if you want to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash none of my friends at comics to get bonus podcasts, movie commentaries, get the show early for as little as a dollar a month. It's never expected, but always appreciated. Follow the show on Twitter at no comic friends for updates. Email the show at none of my friends like comics at gmail.com. Be sure to check out now. Listen to this. That's a music podcast I do with Brett and Max on this show sometimes uh, where uh, we talk about uh, albums and stuff and dissect them. And lastly, if you like this show, Please tell your friends and family who might be interested to listen. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next page. (laughs) 